What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this podcast, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving so of so. And uh, that will propel the podcast in the tops of the iTunes charts, making it more visible for uh, strangers to find on the uh, national and international level. Super important to the exposure of the show and the overall growth. So just a, a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of everybody that has already taken the time to do so over the last 199 episodes. And uh, I'm incredibly stoked for you to be tuning in to episode 200 of this thing. And uh, feeling pretty stoked and 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 grateful for uh for all the folks that have come on this thing in the last 200 episodes been uh a lot of cool conversations have been had and i've met a lot of cool people um doing this thing and and i have formed some friendships with some of the folks that uh have come on the show and uh, it's just been kind of a, a wild ride and, and can't believe that there are 200 episodes of this, of this podcast. And uh, going back, man, I've been doing a lot of reflecting. I'll tell you what, over this, this last few days, this week especially, uh, lots of reflecting on the evolution of this thing. And, uh, man, going back to some of those early episodes, those even those first 30, maybe the first hundred at this point, um, you know, took me a while to lean in and, and figure out what the, the identity of this, this show was and, and how to, uh, find a way to facilitate conversations with people and, and try to get better at it, whether it was in the group setting or the one-on-one -on -one setting and, and, uh, yeah, just try to get, get into, uh, a rhythm with somebody where they're willing to uh to open up or or talk about their uh their tunes and um yeah it's just been it's been a blast man and uh those first hundred episodes were were so fun with the amount of studio sessions we were doing at mountain air studios and uh having a lot of bands come through and and doing these in-studio performances, and and then we would, uh, I would chat with them in between songs, and uh, basically do what the format of this show has has pretty much been from the get-go of of three songs being featured for the most part, 
So they would just play those songs uh, in studio, and that was that was rad. And that that is uh, the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel is uh, is is built upon those videos for the most part. I mean, there's some live sessions out there and a short documentary on the band Tribe Mars, but for the most part, they are all the studio sessions. And I've been kind of cruising back through some of those. There's some uh, some really amazing moments that we got on film and uh and just a lot of cool conversations that were recorded in in that uh that studio in the brooklyn neighborhood of portland oregon and uh just just a very special spot and and uh mountain air mike he's still he's still with the thing man he's he's been pretty much here from from the first episode of this thing and he's mixed down all but maybe two or three of the episodes that have come out uh even to the to the day even though we're not doing those studio sessions he still puts everything together for me most weeks and i send him over the pieces and so it's it's rad that he's been around for so long doing this thing with me and forrest brennan is responsible for almost all of the videos up there on the on the youtube channel uh garrett isham did the initial videos for the first uh I don't know. Maybe maybe he did uh, six or seven of the sessions. So those early videos that you see, um, he is responsible for. So he has quite a bit of work on there as well. But uh, yeah, I've been working with Forrest for the last few years on this thing, and uh, we had so many fun hangs with the bands coming through the studio and and just kind of kind of hanging out. And I think a lot of the fun was was had during the uh the sound checks and the the teardowns i mean the the sessions were always great but yeah it was just it was uh it was a trip to have all these bands coming through and and uh it felt like this uh this real kind of live radio show that we were doing with uh with mountain air mike in the in the in the mixing room and me in the room with the band and them playing tunes throughout the episode was uh was super fun and there's yeah there's just some amazing moments like the uh balto's airplanes unreal performance and kind of this moment on the podcast um that that kind of set the bar for for uh what a good performance was at mountain air studios on the dan cable presents podcast and and i think mountain air mike and i we would always kind of jabber about that when a when a band played a song that that was up there on that level it was we were quick to express that kind of like this uh holy fuck man that was a good one and uh there were a lot of those moments those the rare monk session is uh is so cool that one just sonically sounds amazing and uh i've gotten to see that band play a lot live since that session and and that was uh still one of my my favorites of seeing them play live was right there in the studio so that was really fun and um the adverse effects session is very uh is very special episode 31 just because uh of the passing of their drummer boyd b-side a couple years ago that was uh that was a incredible loss to the portland music community 
and I just feel so fortunate that we got to have that session that day, and that was that was kind of my first hang with Boyd. And uh, every time I saw him after that, I had just these amazing conversations with them and definitely a dude that had a big impact on on me and i always felt special when boyd showed up to a show that i was throwing i uh anybody that knows boyd you know about i don't know when you get the validation from void from boyd that you're uh doing something cool it, it just meant a lot so um yeah, it's 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 just so cool that we have those sessions and and one of the few podcasts where the entire thing is filmed. So I have a bunch of a bunch of B roll of just like the band setting up and and Boyd sound checking in the in the room. So there's there's a lot to dig in there and and uh, just very happy that we have all that on uh, on camera and definitely like I said was just kind of the gateway of me getting to have a conversation with Boyd outside of a show or, you know, anything else of just saying, Hey man, your band's cool. I, I got to, got to really talk with him that day. And, uh, it was a special one indeed. So yeah, just a lot of amazing videos up there, man. The, the tribe Mars documentary is, uh, something that is near and dear to my heart. That was just like, I don't know. I was doing all these studio sessions and I kept seeing tribe Mars live. Who's a local Portland band. And, uh, we had discussed them maybe doing one of these in studio performances, but I don't know. It was after seeing them play live one night, I, I was just said to myself that I wanted to, uh, to do something a little more different and, and kind of explore this short film and, and they were down. And I really appreciate them just being enthusiastic about my idea and letting me kind of run with it. It was the first time that I kind of slipped into more of a director mode aside from the podcast of booking and, and kind of producing these, uh, these in-studio sessions. Uh, yeah, just really this was a different thing to like I said, it's kind of slip into that director mode and, and get the pieces that we needed to hopefully tell the story of this band in some form or at least be like this introduction piece for uh, people to uh, see what this band was about. And it was so much fun filming this live show at the uh, the Secret Society, which is no more. So it's cool that we got to film there and filming the whole night, the Some Aliens performance and the Rashid Jamal performance, which uh, Rashid is uh, definitely like a monumental episode for me. I think that was episode 40 or 41. That was a big deal to me, and I thought that that was like one of those conversations that shifted away from just music, and uh, that dude is just a powerful presence to me and hoping to have him back on the show soon. But, yeah, we filmed that live show of Tribe Mars. They headlined that show. We filmed that, and we filmed a bunch of in-studio interviews and filmed one of their rehearsals, and uh, we went back and got a little more when we felt like we were missing a couple pieces and did these you know, off-site interviews as well with, with some of the individuals of the band and, and some, some interviews the night of the show at Secret Society just outside or in the hallways, so just a really cool experience to put that thing together and, and I'm super 
super proud of that. I would like to definitely maybe spend some more time making some of those those shorter films or profile picks on on certain groups and and hoping to uh maybe have the opportunity to uh to explore that a little bit more but uh yeah man those studio sessions at mountain air were were special and so shout out to all the all the bands that got to come through there and and to forest and mike i appreciate them just kind of keep riding with this thing with me and uh I think moving out of the studio into what the show is now, which is more of just a conversation and um, putting some recorded tracks in for musical breaks is uh, has has definitely changed the show in in a positive way. I think it has uh, in a lot of ways made the conversations or the interviews more into a conversation, hopefully. I think that it has eliminated some of the uh, the focus of the musicians having on their performance and be worried about sound check and whatnot. And they can kind of uh, not have to worry about putting on a solid uh, performance of songs and just kind of lean more into the conversation element of it, which has been really great. And then also we don't have any sort of time restriction on a lot of these episodes, including this one, because this is a two hour chat with my friend London and it was, it was rad. We had a really good time, but, um, that was something we couldn't necessarily do in the studio. If it was going super deep, a lot of time we had another session booked up against that. We would do two to three of those sessions in a day in, you know, six to eight hours. So at a certain point, you had another band ready to load in and you, you kind of had to wrap a session. So it's been really nice in that sense of even, you know, taking down the, the time, the time constraints even on an, a deeper level. And, uh, like I said, I think it just kind of loosens people up, um, to be more, uh, be more open about things and not be worried about the, uh, performance elements and, also, we just get to have these conversations with just me and that person in the room now, opposed to maybe having a, a producer or an engineer in another room listening into the conversation or having somebody in the room filming what's going on, I think is uh, is probably also key in, in uh, tapping into some of the more vulnerable conversations and not having to worry about those things as well. So I'm, uh, I'm stoked where the, uh, where the show has, uh, where the show is headed and where it, uh, continues to move into. And there's been some really special moments. Some, some very cool things have happened. Um, I mean, episode 80, Noah Gunderson, Noah Gunderson is uh, one of my favorite singer-songwriters, and it and it's definitely increased. You know that that love for him has definitely gone up since getting to to speak with him that day on the phone. And uh, you know, I I have more of an attachment to the tunes because of that conversation, but uh, that dude is one of my favorites. And I'm pretty much like on board with 
everything in the catalog and his voice has just become super important to me. So the fact that I got to have that dude on was was very next level. And that was the first time that I tried doing one of these phone conversations and it was such a nerve-wracking thing to even make sure that it was all happening correctly and I think we got like a pretty good phone feed out of it and uh I I just remember being so stoked about that man so thank you Noah Gunderson for uh for that very special episode um Katie Tunstall that was that was a crazy thing that kind of happened the uh Man, top 20 billboard artist on the show. And that was something that, that someone reached out to me randomly about talking to her while she was in Portland, Oregon, playing the uh, the wonderful Edgefield outdoor venue here outside of Portland. And, um, yeah, that was just such a trip. And, and she was such an amazing person and so sweet to me. And... Uh, that one gave me a lot of confidence just because, um, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to remember when you're talking to somebody that's had a lot of success in their art or I guess anything else that they're just like a normal person. And uh, KT definitely put me just very much at ease and I was able to have just the most relaxed, fun hang with her and... Uh, and, and she also just, like, opened up about a lot of stuff in a very short period of time. So that was incredibly rad. Um, the Sheepdogs are one of my favorite bands. And I, I think it was episode 13, maybe, that I had Ewan, the, uh, the front man for the Sheepdogs on. And, boy, did I choke that one. I'll tell you what. I was not ready to have somebody of uh, that stature on the podcast 13 episodes in. I, I, I fanboyed out in some ways, but also just, yeah, I just did not, I did not have the conversation I wanted to have with that dude. I just got way too nervous, and it was very, fu- it's very funny now. Like, it's great to, like, look back and laugh on, and um, it's just funny. I was just not, I wasn't prepared for something like that at that point. And uh, I hope, my hope is that one day I get the opportunity to uh, to redeem myself and maybe get the opportunity to chat with Ewan again and, and actually get to uh, have a, uh, a conversation with him about music and whatever else. But that was, uh, that was a gnarly one. And uh, yeah, man. Along with Katie, KT Tunstall, I've I've had the opportunity to like talk to some bands from outside of this country, which has been so cool. Circle Waves was the first of those bands. Um, they are from uh, the UK, and uh, I got to talk to them at Life Is Beautiful Festival a couple years back in Las Vegas, and that was. Uh, just a random thing, man. I was hanging out in Vegas to go to this this festival, not really planning to do much press, but brought my recording gear anyways and reached out to this band like a day before their set, and they responded, and uh, I got to go chat with them, and that was uh, 
that was just like a really fun experience. And uh, I think that I hope that I can tap into like some of that ambition again that I had doing that stuff of just being so jazzed about always bringing my recording gear to wherever I was traveling to. Even if I didn't have a podcast planned in that city, I would maybe try to put something together when I got there. And uh, I did that in Chicago when I went to this podcast convention and ended up linking up with a couple bands there. It was just, that was just my thing. I would bring the gear wherever I was going and uh, just a cool way to connect with bands outside of the city. And uh, yeah, I, that is, like I said, I hope that I can find that ambition and, and tap into that a little bit more again. I think it's... Uh, Man, it's been so many consecutive weeks that I've put one of these things out and I'm I'm incredibly stoked about it. Um but I've also been doing a lot of stuff and I have a, a full time nine to five grind and, and feel like I haven't really slowed down much the last uh few years. So putting out two hundred episodes of this thing and and I think maybe a hundred and 80 of them or so have been consecutive weeks of, of putting something out. It's, you know, every once in a while you get a little burnt out. And I think it's sometimes you're just, uh, especially doing all this stuff by myself and I'm trying to get better about figuring out how I can have people help me with some of this stuff. But it's, it's even hard to like find the time to do that with everything going on but uh you know so sometimes it's just about keeping my head above water and uh and trying to figure out how to put the put the next thing out you know and put that next week's episode out so i uh, i've been very inspired by by kind of digging into the history of this thing though this week and uh hoping i can carry carry some of that fire in man that the soft kill episode episode 181 i've uh made mention of this many times probably you know no having noah gunderson on was like a such a huge fucking deal to me um but the soft kill episode 181 is still what i think is the most important or impactful conversation in a two-hour conversation with tobias graves of of soft kill who's a band that i've fallen in love with super hard but this dude just opening up about a lifetime of of crime and drug abuse to me was unreal and to talk about rehabilitation and recovery and um, so much wild stuff in that episode so that was uh that was definitely one of my favorites, man. And, and, uh, I'm going to keep pushing to have some of these bigger bands on and, um, and to continue to tap into this, this local scene. Um, thinking about maybe putting episode one out, which is never uh, only saw the light of day for a couple months. It was up there. It is so different than what the format of the show became at episode two and went on to be for so long and and like i said it's evolved a little bit different uh, into a, a little bit different thing without those studio sessions but um episode one man was uh was me not knowing how recording gear really worked and and uh 
a really rough recording with a band called Chocolate Cool But Rude. Um, but it exists somewhere, and uh, I'm eager to find that because my friend, Braden Hamilton, was a part of that episode, and he has since uh, he has since passed away about a year and a half ago, and um, yeah, man, that was that's a special one, but yeah, gotta gotta give a shout to my guy, Braden Hamilton, who is the creator of the uh, the theme song for the podcast. So even though uh, that episode really doesn't exist in the universe. Um, yeah, I just feel like, I feel like he's, a he's, he's in a piece of every single one of these things, man. And, and every week when I'm listening back to the episode and I hear that theme song and every time I like press play on one of the YouTube videos, I hear that theme song and it's, uh, it's just such a cool thing to have and such a cool gift he gave me. That was a, a song called so pitted that's on his SoundCloud and um and he already had that song and I just remember going to him that night like yo dude first episode like the first real episode of this thing is coming out and um I know you have a bunch of these these produced tracks you know like what do you got that might like work for a theme song and I remember he pulled out the first thing and I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. And he's just like, no, nah, I got it, dude. And then he pulled out so pitted and I was just absolutely in. And, uh, yeah, man, it's a, it's a special thing for me to, uh, to get to have with his, his passing. So I just feel like real fortunate for that. And so rest in peace to my friend, Brayden, uh, such a big inspiration on me and uh someone i think about very often miss the fuck out of him and uh definitely just a musical genius across the board incredible singer songwriter incredible producer and uh yeah just an an unreal dude and uh a warm individual who uh i spent many late nights talking to about about the world and and relationships and and love and stuff so uh yeah man still at it down here still still at it down here on earth uh putting out episode 200 this week which is a real trip um episode 110 with my mom that was a good one i was listening to some of that back a little bit today and uh probably one of the realest conversations i've ever had with my mom i said that on the recording too of just like hey this is one of the dopest conversations we've ever had so it's really it's cool to have that on record and uh the response to that episode was also really cool just because it had nothing to do with music and there's been a few of those where i've had like a photographer on or a comedian or something and it hasn't been so much music based but um, that was one of the first times for sure where it was just like, hey, I'm going to have my mom on and knowing that we're probably going to dive into like mental health and, and things of that nature. So that's a that's a special one, man, for sure. And, uh, man, I just appreciate all the people that have taken the time over the years to, to do this thing, to sit down with me and uh, 
and work through it with me. You know, there's been some errors every once in a while where, you know, a few times, a few times I thought we were recording and we weren't even on episode 200, man. That's how this thing kicks in. It's like we were a couple, couple minutes into like kind of introducing the thing. And, um, I just got lucky and had this feeling to look at the uh, the machine and see what was happening, and nothing was happening. So it's just kind of starts in on us uh, laughing hysterically about uh, not recording anything. And uh, yeah, like I said, even two hundred episodes in, I'm I'm still I'm still fucking things up every once in a while. But uh, I'm trying to get better at this thing. I'm trying to. And I'm trying to keep it moving along, and I don't know what the, uh, I don't know what the future is. I don't know when I'm gonna decide that it's not important for one of these to come out every Friday. I don't know, I don't know what the fate of this thing is. I know that I still really enjoy doing it, and uh, London asked me that after we were done. Man, we had like a pretty gnarly hang because we recorded for two hours, but we probably talked for like an hour before that, and then a little bit after we were done recording. And uh, he asked me if I still love it and if I still enjoy doing it. And I, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. It's um, sometimes feels like a burden to myself every once in a while of, you know, knowing that I got to figure out how to put something out on Friday. But that's also just a time management thing because every time I show up to one of these conversations, it definitely, uh, I mean, 90 nine percent of the time i feel like pretty great about it after so um i'm gonna keep moving forward with it for sure and i'm gonna keep trying to make it better however i can um but like i said appreciate the folks that have all taken the time to come hang out with me over these 200 episodes thank you to the people that have been listening to this thing from the beginning it's crazy to me um that there's a loyal listenership of people that check this thing out regularly or every single week. And I know there's a lot of people out there that I don't know who are doing that, which is very mind blowing to me. And, um, it's really cool. And it's, uh, provided me with a lot of opportunities that I never foresaw having and, uh, a lot of free concert tickets, which has been, a really cool fucking perk of uh, starting a music podcast. I'll tell you what, lots of press passes have been uh, have been used and appreciated by myself and uh, at times a plus one, which is, makes it even more fun when they say, not only can you come, but you can bring uh, you can bring a friend with you as well. So that is very rad and I appreciate uh, I've had some very supportive friends of this thing. And, uh, that's been, it has meant a lot to me and you know who you are. We got to wrap this intro up. This thing is exceeding 30 minutes. Um, I'm going to put all the links in the episode notes. I, um, I also have compiled a couple playlists to commemorate 200 episodes. And, uh, there's one of them that is, uh, like hip hop, R and B, funk and jazz. Uh, and uh, the other one is indie rock, singer-songwriter, folky, um, pop music. So there's a couple different, couple different things. 
up on the Spotify. Uh, you can search DC eighty five thirty on Spotify is the uh, the username on there. So just uh, check that out. And um, man, I had London on the podcast. <laughs> I forgot. There's also like probably necessary to introduce my guest for the podcast for episode two hundred. Um, London of cult crimes his uh, solo project and of the uh the outstanding band small league sink ships uh one of the my favorite bands that i've encountered out here in portland oregon uh london came on episode 137 um and we talked a lot of a lot of small leaks that day and uh just a dude that i met doing this podcast and somebody that's become a a, a friend of mine and someone i have so much respect for musically just uh, an unreal musical talent and um getting to see this guy play music live is uh, a special thing he's uh just always brings so much energy to a live show and um i think someone you can when you see this person do it live you you understand that they are uh pretty incredible at at what they're doing and you can tell a lot of work goes into it and um yeah so he's a killer musician and he's just always super rad to talk to so um a cool dude as well and uh that makes it all more the fun so i asked him if he would uh come hang out with me again and um and we just had a ridiculous hang and uh we uh we had a cocktail we had uh and and we got extra buttered and and we just talked about all kinds of stuff and we talked about music a little bit too but we we covered a lot of stuff outside of music and just kind of had this this awesome chat and i thought thought it was a really fun way to uh celebrate 200 and kind of this uh this loose way it's um it's always a real pleasure when i get to uh when i get to have a return guest because i feel like it's uh it's always a little more more relaxed the second time i think someone maybe knows what to expect and then um there's also just a rapport that is there the the second time around and it's just easier to uh to get into a rhythm and not really have to use any notes at all um but yeah we had a good hang it was it was super super laid back and and we got into a lot of different stuff and uh we're gonna do it man episode 200 don't forget to leave your itunes reviews i can't stress the importance of those itunes reviews enough i know i say it every single episode so why not include it in episode 200 but uh super grateful to have london back on the show and i'll put all the links in the episode notes episode 200 uh with cult crimes man we're gonna kick it off with uh a track called sinking into my time which i feel like is uh, a fitting way to kick off episode 200 and and uh feeling good about where this thing is heading and uh feeling fired up about it again let's do the damn thing
This is yes. the best one. This is the best one. <laughs> this is it. Uh, Number two hondo. Here we go. Here we go. That's what's up. London is back. I'm here. Um, we just recorded about two minutes that were so good. Yeah. So good. Um, actually, we didn't record anything. Yeah. I just informed you <laughs> and we weren't recording. So 200 episodes in, I'm still an amateur, yeah. which is so good, dude. Dude, it's all right, you know. It's I threw you off your rocker. We were looking into each other's eyes, and you didn't even think about that recording button. We were lost. We were in our own bubble. But how fucked would we, or I would have felt like an asshole if like we went any further, and it's like <laughs> 10 minutes in, and we're just having to like recreate this thing because that, yeah. that never works out well. Oh, but no. um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't cover much. I just said I'm stoked to have you back here to, to do the thing. And I'm and, stoked um, to be here. And uh, just to have a conversation with you and not, you know, do the hot seat interview and, and see, just see what's good. Yeah. You were talking about, so I have to ask you again, what originally inspired you to start doing your own podcast? Um, I just became a junkie for it. And I discovered these people that were putting out these episodes of uh, what just felt more like a conversation like somebody facilitating that conversation, of course, and maybe kind of guiding where it goes in some ways and, and some more than others. You know, some some have more like rigid notes of like where they want the conversation to oh. go with people, it seems. Interesting. So have you ever had someone like kind of come in and for, before you sit down, say what they want the talking points to be? So I've never, I've never had that happen i do know that that happens on like a larger level where you know somebody walks in with a publicist and like hands a paper and says hey these are these are the things that they're here to promote and um you know you're you're kind of like supposed to do that find a way way. to get on those topics but i think this is you know this is what we were just talking about too the the reason that i think people gravitate towards these like more raw conversations is because they're not trying to hit these talking points. Mm-hmm. And it it promotes the person in such a better way because people get this full sense maybe of who this person is oh, and gives absolutely. them like some attachment when they sit down for even if it's 30 minutes um it's better than, you know, 5 minutes right. with with somebody, you know, Have you but ever like, had anybody like freak out on the if become too self-aware of themselves <laughs> on a podcast and be like I got to stop hit the stop button dog. I can't do this. No, I don't nothing nothing like that has happened. I have had maybe some people that didn't necessarily like want to share their episode after maybe they felt like oh, it okay. opened up too much or something and oh, you could crack, I don't know. You I've, could crack me open yeah. share it to the world um i've always told anybody though that hey what we're doing here is like we're i'm going to put out the conversation that we have and it's not going to be some edited form of that in almost all of the cases 
Nice. Unless you say something right. that you are not stoked about because I will take that out. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable about right. you know what happened. And that, that's maybe happened one time in the history of the thing. Yeah, because I imagine most of the time, like once you're sitting down with people and you're actually getting into it, it's never going to be something like someone says something or gets caught up into their own part where they're like, oh, God, you're going to have to <laughs> cut that one out, man. <laughs> Yeah, and the one time it happened, it was more somebody was trying to protect the name of someone else. Okay, you know, oh, that's it nice. wasn't even like I get that. Hey, I really don't feel good about what I said here. It was like, hey, this might place someone else in a weird position. Gotcha, you know? that makes sense. But um, yeah, man, I just I just started seeing people hosting these types of conversations where it seemed like you're really getting to know somebody. And like what they were about and not just like what their art was or whatever, you know, they had right. all these famous people having just a very real uncensored conversation that seemed like it could go anywhere. Yeah. You know? And I really like that about it. And uh, Me too. I don't know, it just I makes actually, it more fun, you know? Yeah, definitely. I actually don't. Well, I shouldn't say. I listen to podcasts here and there, but I watch a lot of podcasts on YouTube because there's something about like seeing the people in the room and the expressions it. with it. I love it. And it's funny because me and my buddy go back and forth. He he probably um, a super big music advocate, actually my business partner, and he loves podcasts like so many history podcasts music podcasts all of them i finally got him into watching joe rogan podcasts and so i always send him like youtube videos oh you see this clip you watch this last one and he's just like i don't watch it i can't watch it you know i only listen to him and i was like what do you mean like what's the difference he's like i'm working while i listen to it and i go okay well so i'm only sending you like three four minute clips of this man like, <laughs> <laughs> just watch this section really quick it's no different than me sending you a song <laughs> And it's so great because, like, I guess both of us equally have those quirks when it comes to, like, music and media or whatever. So we're both giving each other shit. Like, hey, just just do it. Just do it, man. Give it a, give it a try. Give it a chance. Yeah. But, yeah. It's too much. I just read – or I just – I think I just read about um, how Danny Brown's last record, they were talking to him and asking him, like, what inspired you on this record? And he got on a big train of, like, he was listening to nothing but podcasts before – it, where he's like, I started listening to people talk more than I was really listening to music, and just the conversations itself inspired me more to write lyrics about those specific moments. Yeah, I thought dude. that was super cool. When people can bring out humility in people, it is like the most powerful thing to me. Absolutely. And just to uh, see how other people approach life, this like fucking wild thing that has no blueprint to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> No matter what you're doing, it seems like. So it's uh, it's just really interesting when people can get people comfortable enough to to open up about stuff and just have a regular conversation. Just seems to to humanize them. Mm -hmm. And um, so I kind of like always knew I wanted to like once I started getting into podcast heavy and I kind of became this junkie for it. I spend most of my work day listening to podcasts all day still. Nice. And, um, yeah, I kind of messed with a, a couple of different things. I started, like, the Dan Cable Hour, I think, was the first one. <laughs> yes. And I did, like, maybe seven episodes with just uh, 
I just had my friends on, and a lot of them were just done over the, over the phone or over the computer. Mm-hmm. I would just talk to them about things, and um, that was fun. It was cool. Um, I think I think it went like seven episodes. It was fucking yeah, maybe a little dramatic at times. Like I would just use it as a confessional too sometimes. <laughs> It's like maybe really going through some shit. Like you're all Billy. Yeah. Now let me really tell you. Well, I think it's very similar to uh, to the music thing mm-hmm. or any other maybe art form of where when you start, you're just kind of mimicking other people. No, for like sure. Like all of your influences and Absolutely. trying to produce this sound. So it would be like I love like Bill Burr has like created the art of being the solo podcaster of just Mm. being able to rant for an hour. Oh yeah. By himself. No problem. And going and it's yeah. And that is like unreal to me that he can do that by himself Mm -hmm. and be that funny. Crystalia has like stepped up and done the same thing pretty much in a much different way. Yeah. But um, yeah, both equal, both very blunt. Chris D'Elia seems to be very. He loves to exaggerate shit. Which yeah, he's I love. A, he's he's the such a goofy person, mm-hmm. and yeah, just so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, and then and then Marin, Mark Marin is like such a big influence on probably my interview style, I guess. But gotcha. he was the dude that would come on in the beginning before he got into his conversations and just like speak about his life in a very real way. Like if he, he was struggling struggling within a relationship, mm-hmm. he would talk about his struggles in that shit. Big time. And he would dump emotions like into those the beginnings of those episodes of just how he was feeling and, and just uh didn't seem to hold back. And, right. And so that you know, there's like a little bit of that in you know some of those like dan cable hour <laughs> podcasts oh, dude i gotta hear these. and uh you're gonna have to send them and to even me on the now I don't, I don't know i think i've i've done my best to like use this thing as like somewhat of a, a confessional in the intros here and there if i if i'm like really going through something heavy or whatever or like uh just like want to share something because i've also feel like that's a, hopefully a helpful way to get others to want to like humanize themselves in oh, within a conversation so. yeah, 100%, as well and i don't need everybody to like come on here and like be emotionally vulnerable or anything because mm-hmm. i have just a fucking good a time like when it's just a super goofy super fucking blasted on weed episodes <laughs> like where we're just like giggling and yeah. going on ridiculous tangents i love that i love that too but it's it's just a it's just a very powerful thing to me, like when people talk about real, like we'll talk about some real shit. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and the people that could actually mix it the best is what's super exciting because really, I mean, it's like cosmic humor and emotional and um, emotional upheaval are kind of one thing. You know, you're always kind of experiencing things that'll bring you down and test you in every single way that. Is like, oh shit, I'm really gonna have to rise to the occasion or I'm gonna have to fucking lay on the couch for three days. But at the same time, when anytime you come out of a situation like that, I think there's a part of it that you fr- reflect on. And it sounds weird, but I think a lot of people would get it. It's like, 
it's cosmically hilarious too because you've watched yourself kind of go through those struggles over time and then see yourself grow past them to when they happen again. You're like, oh, I know what this is. I know what this shit is. Yeah, man. And then you got to, at least for me anyways, it's a bit of looking in the mirror and kind of laughing at yourself, which in a way I think I do every day, but in a positive manner. I think it's more of flipping like what you worry about or what you stress about or these little things that kind of take over aspects of your life. And then you have an epiphany one day and you're just like, what the fuck am I worrying about here? Like, what am I so stressed about? I'm sitting here, I'm breathing, I'm doing my thing and I'm beating myself up over what, or I'm fixated on one thing, this very tiny thing in my life. And that will, in its instant, the biggest release to me is laughter. I'm just like, ah, you, you motherfucker. Yeah, man. It's such a mind fuck, but I am definitely somebody that uses laughter for, like, is such a big cure for the darkness. Oh, to yeah. me of it all and like i am so guilty of being the person to make like inappropriate jokes of like maybe Break within like bad timing yeah you know? oh, <laughs> it's yeah. just but like the best timing yeah <laughs> <laughs> but also i i don't know i feel like i also have surrounded myself my close friends the ones that i've surrounded myself with are are also very much on that page you know mm-hmm. and so that makes it more fun. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh take off my shoes here. Get comfy. Get, get, get comfy, comfy baby. You, baby. You know. <laughs> baby. Watch out. It's two hundred. You gotta get you gotta get relaxed. <laughs> it's number two hundred. <laughs> you gotta get relaxed. Gotta let the cat socks out. Come um, on. Now. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's wild though. It's uh it's it's definitely evolved. My buddy and I did a sports podcast for a while. My buddy Bert, hockey. Um, actually, it was like an all-around sports podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. And nice. uh, yeah, that's something I've dabbled. I don't know. I released like a few episodes of a, po- a hockey podcast last year. Ooh. Yeah. What'd but you cover? Didn't maintain. Um, just like my beer league hockey gripes which i just got to see you play actually a week ago came out to see us lose the championship to the russians yeah (laughs) and what you don't know that's actually that was so funny because so you told me about it a day before uh you had the game and it was your championship game you're like yo we're playing against these russians that's crazy they have a bunch of people come out i think you really enjoy it come out to the game and i was like i just want to see you play a hockey game (laughs) period i played hockey back in the day so it's always this like it's the one sport i still like am nostalgic about but still love period and uh so i'm already had plans to hang out with a bunch of my buddies and family and once you told me about that i'm like fuck it i'm gonna convince everybody they got to come to this hockey game (laughs) with me and so i'm like hey Hang out. Let's go to get a drink at this new bar. But then let's come back, and we're all gonna pile in a van. I have a the you know fifteen passenger tour van <laughs> that the, Small Leaks uses. Hell yeah! And I'm like, well, I'll get in the van. We're gonna go out to this hockey game out in Vancouver to see my buddy Dan play. And they're like, fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. It's like <laughs> sweet. Convinced everybody. Didn't take anything. Everyone's going. So we get back uh, to the house. Uh, everyone gets ready. Everyone gets like road beers and everything too, which was just a nightmare. And then I'm DD, so I've only had one drink for all of you out there. I've only had one drink the whole night. Uh, <laughs> so I get in the van and I go to start it and just like click, 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 click. Van doesn't start. I'm like, oh shit. 
was like, oh, I must have left the light on, you know? So I have Des, my wife, she uh, gets, she jumps me, gets the van going. Everyone's like, you sure we're good? I'm like, yeah, we're fine. Let's get in the van. We, we go drive out to Vancouver, show up. We, we get to the parking lot, dude. And there's like, I mean, giant parking lot. You're talking like mall parking lot Buddy. and the motherfucker is full. And I'm like, there's no way. Every time these Russians play. <laughs> Dude, you weren't kidding. Because I'm thinking like, okay, this is a city league, beer league. You the, know, you're going to have like the a lowest somewhat. level of adult hockey. <laughs> this is the <laughs> lowest division that I that I play. I skate uh, out. I play defense in. Oh, and so good. I yeah. Well, I, that's the other thing. I thought we were showing up, and I only knew you as a goalie, and so I'm like, oh, I finally get to watch Dan in between the pipes <laughs> yeah. play net. This is gonna be dope. The name of my hockey podcast, yeah. Between the Pipes. Between the Tune Pipes, in. yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, dude, you're falling short. What's the deal? So we get out there, and like we get to the parking lot, and there's just, I mean, hundreds of cars. No joke. Like I'm not over exaggerating. Hundreds of cars. I'm like, no way. Everybody is this. What he means by it's like all the Russians that come out here for this. So we park, come walking in. Sure enough, man, we walk around the corner and we stay at the glass because when I look into the stands, I mean, it is like a football stadium stands that is all Russians going, Russia, Russia, Russia. They're playing the like, music, dude, the whole oh, game. Oh, yeah, uh. it is the full nine, man. And then I'm looking for you. I'm like, that doesn't look like Dan. I'm looking at the net. I'm like, that doesn't look like Dan. And then you caught me before I think I even saw you because you kind of came up to the yeah, glass yeah, yeah. and we're all right by the glass. You're like, what's up? I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? on? <laughs> like, what are you doing on forwards, man? So that was a delight. But I think even everybody I brought like got such a kick out of the fact. Like, you weren't kidding. And Dude, I, I'm glad you didn't oversell it because it was a spectacle i mean they go nuts well it's just like yeah i don't even know how to explain it i was just like yeah a lot of people show up for this and we had like a good amount of people come because it was our our championship game too but they from my understanding there's a pretty big russian community in vancouver washington or in in around that well, area portland too right like there's a lot of russians in yeah. portland i think that uh, kid that dirt bit burned down the forest was russian oh shit <laughs> russian i'm probably, I'm probably playing hockey against that kid dude <laughs> yeah dude he wins again <laughs> cold yeah cold, cold, cold blood uh, but yeah so they have a team in almost every division of the adult league at that at that ice rink. Oh, I so I play against it. them in other leagues too. And so do they usually dominate? Like, is, is it one of those things because they probably been playing hockey their whole life? Like, do they show up and it's always like, yo, the Russians are going to win every year. Look, it seems like an excuse London, but <laughs> to be honest with you, that was, we probably played our worst fucking hockey game that season. We, oh, no kidding. yeah, we were probably the favorites to win that game. What? Actually, yeah, we just got outplayed. So, like, we just didn't play good. That's it. So, it's yeah. for that season. That they makes... beat us the previous season. That's the second time we've lost to them in the championship, mm. too. And it's just getting. It's you must not have, because when I showed up, it was two to two. And I think I just already had the idea in my head, like Russians playing hockey. Like, you guys must be on your game to have this shit tied yeah. right now. Man, they're they're young, though, too. You know, it's a lot of younger people. We So why didn't you play net? Why weren't you goalie? So I've been skating out on that team. 
And uh, so this, is, uh, this is not your typical team. This is, uh, I played goalie on this team the first couple seasons of me getting back into playing ice hockey. I took like 10 years from not playing anymore. I played all growing up. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Anaheim. Okay. I, grew I was up listening in, back to our episode, the Small Leagues episode yeah. we did. And I thought you said Anaheim, but when we uh, when we had that initial conversation, I was uh, I was trying to track everything you were saying, and so I like I missed that little bit. But I grew up in Corona, so that's like oh, how twenty funny. minutes. From yeah, there. super close. And my home ice rinks were in Anaheim. Where did you play? Glacial Gardens. Oh yeah. So that's my that was like my home that's rink. Crazy, I played dude. for the South Coast Sabers and the Beach City Lightning. No, so neither I, of the teams, but definitely know the travel, ice rink. Yeah, played travel like that was our our home rink for. So you've been playing like since early age. I started playing when I was I played ice hockey from twelve to eighteen. Travel nice, and then played maybe those first year or two out of high school. I would maybe get to play a pickup game every so often, and then stop playing for like ten years. And then when I moved to Portland, um. I was like, I'm buying new goalie gear. I didn't have any gear anymore. So I was mm. just like, I'm going to buy all new hockey gear, and I'm going to start playing hockey. And then um, every once in a while, I'd go out to a skate, but still wasn't like playing very consistently. And then I met my friend Alex, who was uh, on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, and he plays hockey. Like He grew up playing hockey, and he was like, dude, I'm going to start – the Portland pine cones. <laughs> yes. And we're going to, we're going to, you're going to be our goalie and I'm going to get some more musicians and, and some well, that's people love, to fill whole. in. So almost not everyone, but a good portion of our team, 50% are like Portland musicians. Awesome. Uh, and love that. so like that makes it a lot of fun and we just have a really goofy time. But well, watching you guys and your excitement for the game makes me want to play again. Cause oh, dude, I played, could, yeah, yeah, 10 to like, 19 maybe 21 i would say but yeah 10 years old is when i started playing but it was all roller hockey i only played ice for one year and it brutalized me and i was <laughs> like yeah can't go back and it was super expensive i was living in so i grew up in anaheim but then moved to arizona when i was about 10 years old so when i oh, started okay. playing hockey i was already in arizona all right yeah um, which to play ice hockey in the desert is fucking expensive yeah man it's expensive in southern california too um we spent I spent a lot of Thanksgivings going to Arizona. That was one of the common places for our tournaments. And those were that's when they are. Like you would you go to so fun for the holidays, dude. You go play hockey tournaments oh, yeah. for Thanksgiving and Christmas, usually in another state or in a, like another city. Nice. So often it was Arizona. We go to Phoenix a lot. Got to play like where the Roadrunners were playing, the minor league team oh, which yeah. was like a pretty good sized stadium right it's so fun dude when you get to play in a real oh stadium. yeah the real deal is pretty goddamn exciting last year i got this call at like 11 in the morning and my buddy jt was just like hey dude do you want to play hockey at the moda center today <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody not in portland the moda center is is our big sports arena where the blazers play but he's like, yeah, do you want to play hockey at the motor center? And I called and I like hit him back and I was just like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, yeah, my friend has the ice from this time. to It was like in two hours. He's like, can you play? And I was just like, 
like, yeah, dude, I can play <laughs> hockey at the Moda Center today. And it was just, yeah, it's unreal, dude. You get to be in those locker rooms, and it's just this massive arena. Yeah, gotta love it. It's yeah, so that's fun. excitement, full yeah. of excitement. Yeah. The best, like, ice you've ever skated on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So smooth, not used to, like, bumpy-ass shit. Even for me, like, roller hockey ended up being something that was just, you know, it's a cheap thing to begin with. But, yeah, I think just... Too many concussions from that made me finally go, all right, I got to stop doing Yo, this. Yo, dude, concussions are fucking brutal. Yes. And I've experienced mine like a little bit later mm. in life. I, But I also realized that I had at least one as a pretty young kid uh, playing Little League. I was, uh, you know, you share often when you're playing baseball at that level, you share a field with an, like or somewhat of an outfield when they're when you're having like a practice. Mm -hmm. It's all like the same big yard area with the, the diamond like at four different parts of this corner. But some of the outfield is shared. And one of those like monster 12 year old kids that's like way too big for his age just hit a line drive from the other practice that was going on and i was turned around like facing mine in the outfield and just like drilled a line drive into the back of my head <laughs> at a very young age i'm realizing that was concussion number one oh, <laughs> like yeah. that one knocked me out oh, yeah. for sure and then playing a like pickup roller hockey game i got lit up so bad like sandwiched between that way same way too. sandwiched between two dudes like during a pickup roller hockey game where I was just like landed on my face. And I was just like, what is even it's happening? It's weird, dude? man. You don't I was know what done to after think. that one. I, I went to the bench and I was like, that's it for me tonight, folks. Yeah. My, my buddy <laughs> Ryan done. was there. This dude, don't look right. Dude, my buddy, Get out of yeah, here. My buddy Ryan was playing with me that night. And he was, and, uh, he was just like, dude, you you just spun around in the air out there. <laughs> like, yeah, I had one like that too. I went head first into my own teammate. It was a scrimmage and we both were going like from opposite sides of the ice coming to the center and then just both of us put our heads down. It was like, dink, blackout, sit up. And it's such a weird feeling. It's such a like humiliating feeling and you don't know why. Because I did, I got knocked out and I remember I looking up and everyone's kind of looking at me like, you're all right, you're all right. And I'm like, why is everyone asking me that right now? Like, this is what the fuck? It remembers, yeah. I don't know if, you know, back in the day I used to do plenty of stupid shit. I played the pass out game with buddies too, where like you breathe as hard as you can and then push on each other's chest till you black out. Stupid <laughs> One shit. One of those guys. Du yeah, stupidest shit <laughs> yeah, ever. Dude. It's like when you ran out of drugs for 18 year olds and so you had to move to passing each other out. Which is just like, it's so fucked up. I mean, you could, I think you could still get whippets at like a smoke shop, you know? And this was something I think for 17 and 18 year olds to really get their hands on. Like, Never let's, done whippets. Oh my God. It's, it's hilarious. I, 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 haven't, I haven't done a whippet in forever. But you, I mean, it's so ridiculous because everyone has, um, these crackers, you know, they're called a cracker back in the day. And I had this brass cracker, you know, and you fill this giant balloon up. And these balloons are like the clown balloons. You'd be bouncing off of your fist. And you <laughs> fill this thing up and you keep breathing it in until you're, you know, essentially like your lips turn blue and everything starts <laughs> moving around the room. And you're like, Yeah. <laughs> And then you're like, oh, that was great. Give me another one. And then so when you run out of those, you go, let's just, you just hyperventilate and then I'll push on your fucking chest until you black out. Oh, that's a great idea. 
let's do that. So everyone's just doing that over and over. But it's the, it's the stupidest thing because you you watch the whole room, like, you know, go 50s TV, turn off the lights kind of thing. Just uh, three seconds later, you wake up and everyone's like cracking up in the room. And you think like, you feel like, did I just wet my pants and everyone is pointing at me kind of thing? Because... I don't even know how to explain the feeling. Everyone looks the same. Everyone has this look in their eyes of confusion while everybody else in the room is just laughing like, oh, you done fucked up, man. Just like, boo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Such stupid things. I did plenty of stupid stuff back in the day. That is for sure. Did you ever fuck with Salvia? I did Salvia one time and it was a nightmare, man. Like, I always heard the stories like don't don't uh, don't do salvia or you'll become the rug or you'll become the wall, <laughs> and I always thought like this is the stupidest shit ever. What do you mean you'll become the rug? Like that's dumb, and it's so hard to explain. But the first time I smoked salvia, I remember um, everything started spinning like a wheel, and I knew like all of reality, the reality we exist in, was in like this clock. And the clock was going really fast and it kept spinning and spinning and spinning. And eventually I'd make my way out of the clock. And I was this road in my neighborhood as a child. And there was like, it's everybody with their childhood stories. about (laughs) It's fucked up because I'm, I'm like in the roads on the block in my neighborhood. Like I lived in, you know, pretty ghetto area. And so I'm in the street and I remember it's like me and all my friends, but then their dads and families and other friends from like past lives. And it's us linked up that make the road. And I thought, oh, this is what I am. Like everything is alive. I'm the street. We all together make up the street. And this is never going away. Like we are a fucking road now forever. This is is your life. And it was pure panic. And it's funny because you like, everyone you watch too, you go into like a salvia trip and you're cracking up. You're like, this is hilarious. (laughs) Oh, fuck. And you just, everything gets real in the worst kind of way possible. And then before you know it, you're the street. And (laughs) you're the street forever. And I think a lot of people don't realize that on psychedelics, you know, people that haven't experienced psychedelics to that extent, to the people that have are going like, oh, yeah, when I do uh, uh, psychedelics, you know, you go to this realm where like time doesn't exist anymore. It's like time's not a thing. And that's the most impossible thing to try to explain to someone who hasn't experienced that. Because then you're like, yeah, you were you were the road or you're a glass and orange juice or you're a wall, you're a couch. But what is that, you know? you know it's going to end. Like, no. When you're there <laughs> experiencing, that shit is forever. Dude, I don't know. I've done a fair share of, like, pretty heavy mushroom trips now. Mm-hmm. But salvia was, like, one of the first things I ever messed with after. And it was, like, I don't know, right after getting into, like, weed, which I kind of got into a little bit later in life. It wasn't until I was, I don't know, twenty two or 23 that I started smoking a lot of weed Mm. and then I (laughs) show up to this to this thing at the beach one day and my and the first thing this guy says to me when I meet him who's like a new part of this friend group is like hey man you ever done salvia (laughs) I was just like no I sure haven't (laughs) well so I uh, tried salvia that night at the beach um so did the beach, did being on the beach make it an easier experience or was it just as jolting? All right. Well, 
I think that we always maybe did like a very cool amount of it. Where okay. For me personally, it never got real shitty. But that first night, so like the first thing this dude tells me is like, hey, man, you're going to sit down when you do this because you're going to lose all of your motor skills. <laughs> you're all fun. Which all is right, a very right. like true statement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On Salvia. And that is like a very weird thing. Mm-hmm. that I have not experienced on anything else like that, where you just kind of lose your motor skills immediately. Immediately. Like, you it's melt. a very quick thing. Mm-hmm. It's in, like you inhale, and then you're in. Yep. Almost. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was just, like, sitting on the beach, and it just felt like I was sitting, like, in a wave of sand. Like, I had, like, just sitting there made me feel like I had carved out like a chair you almost. the sand. I guess I became you the were sand. were the sand, I guess man. I became the sand. So the issue was like, I had a pretty fine experience. It didn't really fuck me up. Like I came out of it fine. Um, but fuck, man, I did it another time that night because now we go to a different location. My buddy James comes over and I was like, James, you got to try the salvia. <laughs> <laughs> so like... <laughs> I always think that that's like the funny thing about Salvia is like the shitty thing about Salvia is like you kind of have to do it to get somebody else to do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even if you had a shitty experience, yeah, like, like you're well, still. I guess I'm going to have to yeah, do this again you're so, I can get, your buddy. so I can get Daryl to do yeah. it. You know, it's just so. Yeah, man. I I don't know. There was like a good month or two where every, like every weekend it was just like messing around with a little salvia or trying oh, yeah. to get someone to do salvia. Well, it used to be legal in head shops, man. Yeah, like you just go and purchase which it. Which is the craziest thing. I think the craziest thing for anything to be legal in a store, like you just go buy, and it would come in like packages of 10X, 20X, yeah. 100X, right. 200X, 200 episode, 200X. But yeah, you'd, <laughs> you'd end up getting this shit at a head shop and you'd be like blown out of your body and stuck in another dimension where it's weird that it was that many different levels of the shit like 5x okay i smoke this oh i feel silly i laugh everything's like you know a cosmic joke whatever 200x it's getting wild yeah i don't know if i ever had any 200x but Man, yeah, it's just such a weird thing. It's so funny. One night we sat out in a friend's backyard with maybe eight of us in a circle just taking turns. It's like, all right, pass the pass the piece. Mm-hmm. And now it's now it's Eric's turn. Yeah. And all of a sudden Eric is fucking sitting in a chair doing Santa Claus, like ho 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 just like out of nowhere. <laughs> what? You know, just like ridiculous <laughs> shit is happening. And yeah, dude. Oh my God. Yeah, the only thing only other thing I've done and it was funny. So one thing I've done before I ever touched Salvia was DMT, which is like ten times the way I compare it now that I've experienced both is where DMT is kind of a blast through that uh reality that this kind of weird in between stage of everything is just locked in and you're the joke and you're stuck in this thing and what the fuck you might see the light yeah dmt kind of just like makes you shoot past all that shit and drop into some other reality you didn't know was possible that when you come back to it you're just going like what the fuck (laughs) that's not no that's not that's not possible that can't but then what is this? Yeah. And what is this? <laughs> so weird. Is this? <laughs> yeah. I remember I, thinking that so many times. It's like yeah. the the least 
riding a bike experience ever. It's like you keep doing it, and it's it's never something you could put into practice or you know. Okay, okay, I'll go into the I'll go into it this time, and I'll really let go. You know, it's just as overwhelming. It's just as um, exploratory on the self, but then also kind of diving deep into a part you have never really dealt with before. Where I think maybe I don't know if this is the right word, but maybe salvia is more silly when it comes to that kind yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I I mean, I've definitely seen it turn dark for a couple people though, Me where too. It, like fucked them up for the night, and uh, yeah, it was a very quick thing, quick bout with the the salvia. Where, yeah, because also that I mean, that's what I was like trying to get to. Out of any, I've never done any hard drugs. I've only done psychedelics. Okay. Um, but salvia always made me feel that had like made me feel way more fucked up than any like mushrooms or acid or oh, DMT. Like you are just like it fucks up your motor skills, and when you come back from it, you just like feel weird. Mm-hmm. Like so, yeah, everything just feels so fucking weird. Yeah, and, like and that shit was fucked up and slow. Legal at a smoke shop. Yeah, that's wild. It's crazy. Yeah, not that I'm against that by any means, but it's just crazy. Out of all the stuff that's out there, that's what you could walk into a shop and buy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny too because like around that time, I that was maybe when YouTube was very early on, mm. and you you would go on YouTube and check out watch other people's salvia trips. Yep. But they were oh, doing yeah. it out of like they were taking bong rips. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> we're not doing bong rips right. of salvia. Like we hit it out of a pipe <sighs> that we're never gonna touch again because it always tastes like salvia. <laughs> it was like the uh, DMT so pipe, true. dude. The oh DMT yeah. pipe. It was just like, no, that one, no, don't no, use don't use that, that one, man. Yeah, don't use that don't one. Don't put the weed in that. You might have a you Do might have a not. strange, strange <laughs> ride with that one. Oh yeah. I only did DMT once and it was also my first the first psychedelic I ever did. It was after the salvia. Whoa. It was after the salvia experience. That's wild. That's okay. pretty rare that it ends up. I had one buddy, um, I mean, when I was really experimenting with it a lot, you know, I it's like I became so fascinated with it that I was like, I gotta have all my friends do that. Everyone ha- has to do this shit. And most of the people that had gone, uh, had go through it already had some type of psychedelic experience, whether it be acid or mushrooms or mescaline or something like, cause I always felt like this is the, you know, this is the tip of the fucking iceberg yeah, kind man. of thing. It, it was too much for me. The being the first experience? thing, like I fought it too much. Mm, yep. So I didn't fully go in, but I also, it was just so wild to instantly kind of like I did it in my living room and just laid down on the couch and then all of a sudden I look out the window and these kaleidoscope colors are coming through and I remember the ceiling fan was going it's it's summer in California and this thing is just like running you know like that ceiling fan is moving at its highest speed but all of a sudden the kaleidoscope colors kick in and this ceiling fan I just start hearing it like wall and it just like slows down completely and like and i'm just yeah i'm just losing it falling like seeing the white light i think the white light freaked me out oh yeah like i thought i was gonna die right and i thought in like i was it it was fucked up because i was thinking that time i was like i was living um with uh with a girlfriend at that time and i was just like 
dude, I can't fucking die on this couch. Like, she's going to kill me if I die on this couch because I wanted to do DMT this afternoon. Right. (laughs) This particular Wednesday afternoon, I wanted to do DMT with my (laughs) friends on the couch, and I can't die like this, dude. Like, I can't. Can't And you literally go in your head like, they're going to find me like this. And it's going to be like, Dan's the guy who, you know, just took it too far and, uh, you know, lights out. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think that, Oh, I don't know. I've I've broken through on some mushroom trips for sure where I've completely let go and it's been amazing. But I definitely think like sometimes that makes it hard for me to disconnect completely mm-hmm. in some of those moments because I do have like some of those thoughts of Oh yeah. Yo, they're going to be real disappointed if I go out because I want to do like right. trip out today, bro. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know? But Oh yeah. You know, so I I kind of fought it because I saw the white light and everything, but I did experience like some some gnarly stuff, some visuals of, you know, falling into like kind of this black abyss and seeing all these memories kind of float by on each side and, and wild. You know, I had I had an experience for sure, but uh it wasn't until many years later that I had like, you know, did like a four gram mushroom trip right. in the forest, mm. and and it's just like there's there's a certain amount of psychedelics where it doesn't matter if you're going to give into it. Like, oh, you're going, yeah, you're gonna go, and you should probably just surrender to it. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's and, always and my take the trip, you know, and yep. and it's uh, I think it can be hard for people, and and I'm definitely one of those people, you know. It took me until my late. I think I was 30 when I did mushrooms for the first time. I'm no 34 shit. now. I might have been 29. Wow. But like it, yeah. And I'm kind of glad I waited that long in some ways. Yeah, I wonder I don't if think it was, was kind of a different aspect of that world and what you were going through to do it later and never have that experience before. Yeah, it always kind of like tripped me out. And then the more and more I heard people speak to their experiences about it, I, I became more comfortable about it. And I felt like I was educated about it enough. And I had kind of gotten past the propaganda part mm-hmm. of it, you know, that, you know, you're going to turn into the orange man and you're going to become this person that peels their skin for the rest. You know, those <laughs> horror stories like you're like, yeah, my friend became an orange and then he started peeling his skin all the time. And it's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or you know, and some of those, some of those, you know, stories are are real shit. There are like, oh yeah, you know, in a some, sense, definitely. And not everybody, like, I don't think everybody should necessarily do psychedelics either. And oh, I yeah. do think that they're a super slippery slope. And I think that's probably why I've done it so sporadically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've yeah. tried, I've tried not to do it very recreationally. I don't really enjoy it that way so much. Me neither. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, big time on that notion because I don't, I don't necessarily think they're for everybody. I don't think that's something I would be like, no, you have to do it. Although I get excited about it sometimes, and I know what it's done for me in my life, and I'm like, yo, you got to. It's just, <laughs> you get excited, you can't help yourself. You do, You're like, you yo, do. I saw this these entities, <laughs> and they told me how it all goes down. You got to fucking do this shit. But at the same time, I think there's people you should know, you know, their personal personality enough to be like yo don't force this upon anybody because it is it's like i've had you know the biggest mushroom um dose i've ever done is about eight grams and it was a yeah it was a complete i mean beyond a heroic that's a lot yeah like the yeah yeah and i was with my wife at the time and you know we 
me and my so it was me, my wife, and a handful of other buddies. One of my best friends uh, were there, and so we ended up uh, taking these. And um, it's funny because in one room, I'm having this complete like out of body experience, and I remember we're looking at each other and we're almost having this conversation. Our mouths aren't moving at all; like it was completely telepathic. And I felt like I was saying to her, like, I'm dying. Is that okay? And she was looking back at me like going, yes, that's okay. It's okay. And I'm like, you sure? And she's like, I'm sure. And so we're crying, you know, we're just like flood works going to the point where it's just like, you feel your whole, like the weight sink in. And I remember I'm standing up in this room and I feel just like free as a fucking bird, man. Like every i'm going through this roller coaster of emotion every emotion you've ever experienced at the peak that it could be but there was nothing but positivity so even if it was like this emotion of like um everything there's doom and gloom it would still just be like i accept it and i'm free blah 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 like whoa and it would happen for like a minute and a half before all of a sudden i look down and i see my body sitting on the fucking ground and i'm like Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Just got terror. real. Yeah, fear, fear, that, fear. Yo, that is the the strangest feeling. And goddamn, obviously, this shit sounds like batshit crazy. If like you've never oh, yeah. done any of this shit, oh yeah, totally understand. Right. I don't even know if I believed in God until I did. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no psychedelics. No. Will be, psychedelics yeah. will be the first thing that go. Uh, you don't know what you think. You yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, and and it's a gut check while it yeah. does. It's like let me punch you in the stomach while you think you know how this works. No, but uh, yeah, dude, there's there's something wild when you feel like you kind of climb out of the meat suit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. Oh, that's such a when great you way just to like it. step out of that thing and it's just like what the fuck, dude. Mm. Like I remember. Like the first time I did it was it was with four friends. We all did the same amount, like a very I don't know, there there was just like it seemed like there was a lot of intention with all of us. Like we we're all going through some stuff. Which is and a we, big and big part all, of it. We all like kind of went out to do the thing together. And yeah, we did it all at the same time, all the same dose and took off together and i just remember like looking at my buddy who's much more experienced in in doing like a high dose of mushrooms and right and he just like looked at me he's like ah oh, dude you you get it like <laughs> like you're outside of the thing now and it's just like whoa this is so wild and, yeah and then also to kind of uh it was interesting because you know you i remember hearing pete holmes is like one of my favorite podcasters, and is that uh, the, that's that's not. Oh, is this the guy that does all the like uh, Marvel X Men interviews, <laughs> like is, the the spoof ones? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy's that's awesome. Pete, dude. Pete, yeah. He also had a show called things. Crashing on HBO. Yes. for a long time. Oh, totally. Okay, uh, for a few seasons. But I I've been following his podcast for a long. Like that was one of the first podcasts I tapped into, and he just always uh, he just went through like this pretty gnarly. Um, you know, like self self evaluation after mm. his divorce and and thinking and and being like raised very religiously and just had all these breakthroughs where he was having all these new experiences and stuff, but like and started doing some psychedelics and whatnot. Oh yeah, that'll open it up <laughs> really quick. That's funny, that guy. I have to yeah. piss my brains oh, out. Yeah, is it should, cool if I take a break really you, quick? You should all definitely right. take a break. All right, real quick. And. Uh, 
He can't hold it anymore. <laughs> anyway, like listening, listening to Pete talk about doing, doing high doses of psychedelics, he always talks about how you should be around people that you're completely comfortable with crying in front of. Yeah, <laughs> just people you got you trust wholeheartedly. Yeah, man, it's just wild. Just to, you know, you just kind of lose control of the emotions and and stuff just starts to pour out of you but we all kind of you know went our separate ways at a certain point we did enough where you know it's it's four or five hours later where we're you know reconvening and we just all reconvene around the fire and just talk about what we're all going through and whatnot it was it was just like this very uh very powerful experience just because again like the humility thing of just yeah. everybody really opening up about heavy shit yeah you know well it's kind of i imagine it's like a kind of like cathartic before you know just starting and then kind of going down that train and you're already in this realm of trusting each other and willing to be vulnerable and you know having the courage to be vulnerable with each other is much easier at that point once you've experienced something like that yeah it's just kind of interesting they you kind of maybe always have like some sort of link to those people, even if they're not consistently significant in your life or present. Oh yeah. It's just like, Hey man, we, we, uh, we did some, we experienced yeah, something we out experienced there some together, shit together, you know, <laughs> like we uh -huh. we're all together for that. So, um, yeah, man, it does, those, uh, experiences have been important to me because I do feel like I am one of those people where it's, it is like hard to like, let go of the control of mm -hmm. things and, wanting to believe that you can control stuff and yeah just, there's just things that are not not built for your control no it's just not well and that's the thing it's like i think one of the first things with psychedelics especially something like uh psilocybin or dimethyltryptamine you know dmt is one of those things that immediately wants to turn that thing off on you on you it's that analytical part of your brain where you're trying to look at what's happening analyze it for what it's it what it is and it laughs at you for doing so it goes you no no nice try nice try and then the more you let it in the more it becomes kind of brutal and it, i've always described it as like ferocious beauty because it gets so in your face it's so kind of bullying it's so intimidating you're like why are you like this why are you coming at me like this jesus you know what the fuck and what i think what it's trying to do is get you to like you know kill your ego demolish that part of that sense of self that thing you identify with so much that you walk through in everyday life and you're like this is me this is me this is what makes me this is how i view the world this is what i understand this is where i'm right about things and it takes those things and shatters them so of course when it comes at you like that you're going oh no oh no 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 we, we can't do this right now and uh one of one of my favorite things i ever heard um uh terence mckenna say who was always like huge on you know psychedelics yeah, I mean, kind the of the psychedelic yeah, guru man yeah. big time yeah but he always said one of my favorite things he ever said is like it's not most people are afraid of taking too much but you should be afraid you should be afraid of taking too little you see <laughs> because it's the going up part that is very unveiling you know he's got the craziest voice but it's so true you know you we we want to be we even kind of go into the process and i think so many facets of our life but especially stuff like psychedelics we're like i'm going to take enough your subconscious mind is kind of going well let's take enough where we still have control 
And, when, and, and he's kind of saying, you know, well, what's the point then? The right. whole point is to take enough to where you don't have control and you blast through that veil and you're seeing everything and you're not separate of it anymore. So you could go back and you could pass along the message, but more than that, to receive the message and change the parts of your about your life that you're so detriment about, that you so want to grip tightly. And it's kind of saying like, it's okay to hold on to them, but don't grip it so tight. Open up your hand a little bit because you're supposed to look just as much as you're supposed to receive those things yeah man don't squeeze the tomatoes yeah they'll fucking squirt you <laughs> baby um yeah man it's uh it's a wild thing though it's i remember the uh the first time going out on that that forest camping trip and my friends just being like yeah we're gonna want to be like pretty far away from people <laughs> i was just like yeah sure like a couple campsites right and they're just like now we're gonna be wanna be like yeah. real far oh, away. Know. Know. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay. And then uh and then you're in it. And you're just like, oh yeah, some wild shit might happen. And mm-hmm. you're gonna be loud maybe and doing all kinds of wild stuff. But. Yeah. And they could go, I mean, so it's funny because sometimes it's like it doesn't even have to be this huge, deep experience you know exploring the self and ripping you apart kind of thing it's like i've had experience i remember the last time i went camping with some buddies and did mushrooms and i swear i had like i i'd been a stand-up comedian for fucking 10 years or some (laughs) shit because i was just on point like everything was hilarious where you know i'm just comment commentary on the trees and the sun and the clouds and how they work together and for some reason, it was the funniest shit in the world. And the whole time, me and my buddy are just going back and forth about how silly nature is in general. Yeah. And we're not separate of it. It's so funny, dude, how apparent things become um, like simple things. My buddy and I were just talking about this. Um, we did a Joshua Tree oh, nice. trip. And we had like a really cool Airbnb, Airbnb on this property for a couple of days. And we're just able to like wander quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, we're just wandering around, blasted, just climbing up these mountains, talking about all these goofy, simple metaphors. Like, he goes up this way, and I go up the other way. And it's just like, yeah, man, all leads to the all the, all the roads lead to the, the same, same place. place it's just baby. like you know, just <laughs> yeah, just just goofy stuff like that. But um, yeah, it took me, I think, maybe a few times though. That Joshua Tree experience was gnarly because that was that was like really the first time where I. It was maybe the third time that I'd done a deeper trip, and I think I was a little more prepared for what that come up was going to feel like and, and yeah. just, like, what the whole experience was like and a little less afraid, feeling a little more of, like, a veteran of the group because I knew there were some newcomers, you know, mm. on that trip, and you're just like, well, I can't be the, like, yeah. <laughs> I can't be the one that's a mess here. Right, <laughs> I gotta, yeah. I'm going to have to babysit a little bit, so <laughs> I better come, out, come across not, at least yeah. like I know what I'm doing Yeah, here. absolutely, but... uh yeah, I just remember that one was was kind of having this realization of the world just keeps on moving and like mm-hmm. it's okay if I just like step away from it for a few days and you know turn the phone on airplane mode for 5 days everything's still happening. You know, oh, the world absolutely. the world is still moving. Yep. And uh <laughs> They don't need me out there to keep it moving. Yeah, and in some ways you're just as much of a part of it even when you do step away. I think that's the important thing of it. It's like knowing when to be fully enthralled and when to step back. And I think that's that like uh, polarity in us when it comes to 
what we exist in, whatever this thing is in the universe in general. It's like, I, I think everyone kind of experiences that at some point, whether it be as psychedelic induced or through meditation or any type of spirituality where you have this moment and the clarity is that you're not separate from everything else that's going on. And even your separateness is kind of dwelling inside in and out of those things. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with like ego stuff as far as having that wrapped up in your art, like with your band or maybe oh, your solo project, cult crimes or I think it's more predominant in uh, cult crimes than it is in small leaks. Cause you know, in small leaks, it's kind of like four dudes that we've been friends forever. You know, we've gone through some shit yeah, with each other. You have some people to ground you and big time. <laughs> no one's going to let like London become the fucking prima donna. Of the, <laughs> like no one's going to let you do that shit. Right? right. No, like it's just not acceptable. No, exactly. Someone's going to put you in the place. Yeah, we know each other way too well and we're quick. You know, that's, what's funny is like me and Judd's relationship, for example, who's the other vocalist in, um, small leaks and me and him like have a big part together in the writing of small leaks and it's like once we get a song going where me and judd feel like okay let's oh you got vocals for this like if one person says i got an idea i'm inspired like i the other one immediately kind of takes the back seat it's not like well because you have an idea maybe i have an idea too and so that's <laughs> it's a interesting dynamic that i think may not work in a lot of bands with having two lead vocalists where with us we've been doing it so long that it feels natural it's like we walk in the studio now and a lot of the time it's him either sitting at the computer pressing record and me singing into a mic two feet away from him so it's like i'll be singing my heart out and there's a dude hearing me acapella like right there but we trust each other and we trust each other enough to the point where it's not only I feel vulnerable and I could do this and I could tap into this part of me, but I also trust you to tell me when I'm not going there and I'm falling short of that. Where we'll be quick to be like, if someone else is recording and they're not, you hear it on the other end, you know? Not only do you hear it on the other end, you know, man. It's like you're sitting there with the headphones on, but you are also hear them in the room with you and you know like either they hit it or they didn't. And we're very quick to be like, hey, that was great and all, but how about you do it like you mean it, dude? You know, such a vulnerable place to be in when Big when time. everybody's sitting in the that mixing room listening to you. Do you do the thing on the spot? <laughs> oh yeah, and with yeah, and with vocals, it's so different and than not like mixed else. in. Yeah, anything, yeah, you know, it's just like that raw, raw, yeah. raw as fuck. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think my voice is a lot more. Well, it is a lot more raw than Judd's voice. Judd's voice, I've always said, is quite angelic and beautiful and mine is very more uh raw and emoting things For and sure. it's the blend of those two worlds that's uh very exciting sometimes uh you know as much as those are our uh motifs we claim the other person sometimes can do it better and i think it's just knowing like hey this is what's best for the art and so when you're in a band and this kind of goes for all bands like this is really my own own only advice for bands out there is like, it's not about your instrument. It's not about your vocal. It's not about how hard you've worked at getting really good at your instrument. And so you, your instrument needs to shine right now. It's about the fucking art. Like you want to be making a good song. You want to be making a good album. So try to take yourself as much out of that as possible, because that's when you're going to be able to have this kind of outside perspective and go, oh, 
this is this I could keep listening to this. I could keep listening to this instead of like, yo, do you hear that fucking Trump heart talk? Like, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. For sure. I mean, that's part of like taking the ego out of it too, though. Yeah. Because I I mean, ultimately when when the priority and the game plan is to serve the song and you start doing things like maybe you wrote all the lyrics and and to this song and you just decide, hey, Judd might be able to do this better than me. You know, I think that is such a gnarly boundary to, oh yeah, like break through, right? And uh, yeah, I very much. I mean, I don't think that that's that obviously doesn't serve the song in every project, and there's sure. not always a reason for that to happen. But it's been, that's one of the things that I've always been interested in with uh, with bands where there's other singers, like maybe more than one, maybe mm-hmm. not always like a. Uh, an even split on the lead vocals but every once in a while someone else is singing lead and it's like well who wrote like this song you know and do you guys explore you know if someone else might be better on the voice even though you wrote it and and it's just interesting to see who's like willing to to go that way with it oh yeah you know well and sometimes it's like we'll write lyrics for each other which i think i probably consistently write more lyrics than judd does but there's still those times where it's like you could you could lay something down and be like oh this is kind of cool and it could go either way like sometimes you could lay a vocal down and be like i'm torn about it there's parts of it i love there's parts of it i hate and then it's so great to have another vocalist there and like your best bud that you trust and go hey what do you think of this and how do you feel and it's it could be an equal surprise It, it could either be like uh reassuring of what i already thought okay cool yeah i didn't think it was that great why don't you try or it could be like i didn't know i feel about this person's like oh you're tripping this is fucking awesome like you killed it on this and so it's so great to bounce those things off people and have that dynamic where with you know cult crimes and where the ego stands is sometimes i like to over exemplify the ego when working by myself where it becomes kind of a character of some sort and i really give it its place to stand and so it depends. It's like I could walk in the studio with cult crimes and because I don't have anybody to bounce anything off, I'm just rolling with the punches and I'm, I'm going and going and almost having a conversation with myself a lot of the times where I could be in a very aggressive mood and like saying these things that are very ego driven and very in your face and forward, but able to kind of hold it in the world of that. And it's okay where it becomes more of I don't know, a, a show of some for, some sort or a performance or this aspect of my personality that I want to let be heard when it wants to be let heard and not give it any inhibitions at all. Well, this is what wants to be said right now. I mean, guy's a total asshole right now, yeah. but let him speak. And sometimes that's been my favorite songs throughout time where it's like, damn, that's some of the most like fucking air, hip hop, for example. Like there's some hip-hop songs that are like very arrogant and very forward but why is it that there's a part of you that identifies with it because you know it to be true there's a difference between like the ego just being a you know a fucking blindsided asshole and the ego kind of representing itself as like this is what it is here you go take a look at it i'm not afraid of it you shouldn't be afraid of it either yeah and that's yeah it's it's in most of us you know somewhere in there and yeah that's that's wild. It's uh, fuck. I don't know what I was gonna ask you. 
I had such a great question lined up. Oh, I damn. promise you. It's because I went on a rant, man. And so you thought you, you thought of it like rant. early on it, and then I just yeah, I was kept just going. Like, I'm like, so let's talk about the <laughs> ego. <laughs> oh, I was. Is it also you know a thing where with the cult crime stuff, you're more like producing tunes than like being a songwriter? Is that fair to say? I think. Uh, like, are you building songs more in a computer? Rather than like stuff, yeah, like I think that's going totally. to like write a song on the keys somewhere. Right, I think that's. I think um, it's fair to say. I think I'm spending more time in the box, is what I call it, where you know I got a part going and I'm building off of that, and then that creates this certain emotion in me where I'm like, okay, this is the direction I want to go. But at the same time, there has been things where I've gone in and written a piano piece or made a beat and. I'm completely like unfolding that piano piece from beginning to end and then building everything else around it. But yeah, I think you're right in a way. Like I still end up at the computer kind of producing it, getting the main bulk of it and then seeing where to go from there. And being a drummer by nature, is that where a lot of the, the cold crimes tunes start with building off of a beat? Um, 50, 50. Okay. Yeah. I would say, being, you know, drumming as long as I have and being obsessed with beats and listening to hip hop for so many years, like cult crimes, I get to tap into that way more where everything in a sense is kind of based off of that rhythmic self where even the vocals sometimes I think I rely heavy on rhythmic vocals and like dancing beat style vocals than just doing this like pretty kind of melody. I think everything whether it be the piano, the synth, the samples, the beat, the bass, all of it is somewhat coming from a rhythmic standpoint. It's the dance within the self. Uh, my dance, unfortunately, is not um, always pretty, but I kind of let it you know, unfold how it wants to and let it exist in its own world. Because I, I think I believe, you know, that's, what, that's what's so funny about nowadays with all of music. You know, you think like 20 years ago, there was only so many genres of music and people would jump on those bandwagons where I think now more than ever, it's like, dude, I hear so many different types of art and music from so many different angles that you would really think like, this doesn't have an audience. There's no way this style of music has an audience. And sure enough, it does. So I think we're more alike than we are different where if we tap into those parts of ourself, that's like, no, that thing that makes you feel crazy about you, that thing that scares you about you, fucking do it. and Lean in. Yeah, lean in. And I think that's a big thing for me with um, cult crimes. It's like I'm leaning into these very deep aspects of myself, even if they are ridiculous and like even a lot of the videos you know me and john will make um for cult crimes it's like i'll come to come to these ideas and i always kind of it's that same conversation you have where you're like i know this sounds crazy but and getting away from doing the preemptive i know this sounds crazy but and just believing in what it is and going i want to do this this is why i want to do it it scares me to death but i have to and then the person on the other end going i understand yeah. Um, is uh, are you kind of always seeking out new music, and do you listen to like a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't immediately click in with you? Constantly, yeah. You're like trying to challenge yourself in 
oh yeah that way i re- listening back to our our small leaks conversation episode 137 oh for everybody is <laughs> 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 like i love this guy i want to hear more about <laughs> if you oh, want to yeah. hear more about small leaks sink ships which we dive into on episode 137 um i remember you said that sometimes you'll listen to something just because you like the drums or the percussion mm-hmm. even if you don't really dig the tune absolutely is that yeah, is that so, usually still the thing that's going to keep you in a song if if you're not completely feeling it or do you just mm. appreciate kind of examining stuff that you don't necessarily appreciate to Damn. inform you in some way that's a great question i think in a in a way so i think it's the same center point like it's the drums but with how many different styles of music and cult crimes being more like electronic esque based um yeah the drums or the beat or the rhythm or something i've never heard before sometimes it'll be a song where it's like i hate everything in the song except this like one melody that's doing something i've never heard before and it becomes an inspiration or i'll hear a song where it's like what the hell this beat never changes from second one to minute five end of the song this beat never changes why is it so great like why does it keep building and kind of breaking the song down where um like recently i was talking to my buddy do you know the song gosh by jamie xx i do not instrumental electronic song and it's kind of the same beat that starts with like just clapping this kind of 120 bpm going and then everything else builds around it and you kind of realize the beat never changes the whole time but it's the layering of the melodies around it and these little sounds and samples and um synths that are happening as it goes up where it's like dude i'm in love with this and so for my when i'm listening to music i think i'm still definitely like listening to that beat listening to that backbeat like jazz music for example i grew up drumming in jazz band or not drumming in jazz bands but being inspired to drum like a jazz drummer your dad was a jazz drummer yeah my dad was a jazz musician but vocalist um saxophone and flute and clarinet incredible um and of course i picked all the instruments and shit that he doesn't yeah play. Do you pick the loud shit yeah i got you it, had to right? rebel yeah <laughs> then that's exactly what it was <laughs> uh and i remember like um even now it's like i love jazz drumming i'll always go to jazz and funk drummers but i don't care for jazz music so i'll listen to like jazz songs just to listen to the drums but i don't care about anything outside of it like i'm not a horn fan which disappoints my dad, I'm sure. Sorry, disappoints dad. me. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's my favorite part of music. I know, man. No, it's, it's fine. a <laughs> it's fine. It's it feels like Fuck a pretty narrow uh, dogs. Feels pretty yeah, narrow. Damn right. Is there like give me the beat? I don't give a exce- fuck about is that. Is there trumpet. exceptions for you though? Where you're no, just like, there's this band crushes and I do like the horns. There's except okay, I shouldn't say I don't like horns. I don't like noodling of horns or i can listen to guitars noodle i can listen to bass guitar noodle i love listening to drums noodle but like horns like i'm just like i don't know it doesn't do it for me but what i do the kind of shit i do like about horns is um kind of bands like do make say think or um 
uh, Fly Pan Ann and stuff that would kind of use these long gated horn sounds that would build these, you know, you think of like a World War II battle-esque scene in a film and it has these kind of like long gated horn sounds. That shit I love. I'm like, yes. Yeah, give me that the more feeling. cinematic. Yes. Orchestral. I could dig that, but the yeah, noodling around, I'm not into. (laughs) Which my dad's really good about it, and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) You're like, that's good. Yeah. I don't think I'm a solo fan. Like, what do you feel about... I don't think I like solos in music. Anytime Mm. I hear... uh, I mean, there is... Don't No, you're... I I feel you. Yeah. I think that there's some people that have made me big fans, and I have, like... I don't know. I have become such a big fan of jazz music over the like the last six or seven years. Dude, it's blown up right now. It's weird. Um, I've just been exposed to it finally by some people, and I think I was like ready to hear it, and especially seeing it live. I don't know. There's just like some undeniable about seeing someone go go nutty on a solo, where oh, I'm just yeah. like, Life's I don't a even. Story. I don't even understand how you play that. But like, there's, you know, on the flip side, there's not too much. Like, Guitar Shredders has never been, like, a big deal to me, mm-hmm. necessarily, except for maybe, like, Kirk Hammett of Metallica is, like, one of my, like, I've always, like, like appreciated metal. him and, like, his skill for it. Um, or, like, Hendrix, you know? Oh, yeah. It's all shit that I've, like, come around to, though. I think there was a big, there was a very long time in my life, even though I've always felt like I've listened I've always listened to a lot of different types of music. I've always had a different people feeding me a lot of different stuff from a very early age listening to, you know, Phil Collins to, to like punk rock very early, like eight or nine being exposed to like Quick some switch. punk music. And so like I've kind of always had appreciation for a wide range of music for a long time. But there was a, I don't know, man. There was forever where I was just all about the song and the lyrics yeah and then maybe over the last six seven years had this transition of it's all about the feel of the song right that's all that matters to me now yep and i'm still like a big singer songwriter lyrics person as well but um yeah i don't know it's just it's just flipped for me and i'm hear it differently now you know i just want to like lock into the groove of whatever's going on now and Sometimes the lyrics in the song become secondary in that way or something. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's funny you say the lyrics become secondary because I think um, the times I've become most emotional in listening to music is instrumental songs. Yeah. And it'll be these like long winded escapades that just hit me in the right way. And I'm like, I could be like working one day and just be like, oh God, <laughs> I can't make this shit no more. Yeah, man. I don't know. That was like another thing that kind of came along with the jazz was just instrumental music in general mm-hmm. where and I just love that there's no narrative and it's just such, it's wherever I want to take it. Free there's flow. no one informing me of like what I'm supposed to feel in some way in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the sad dude with this guitar telling you like this heartbreaking story or something yeah you get get more lost in that yeah you just kind of like can slip into it and then yeah yeah i feel like there's kind of a new jazz movement happening right now where you're even seeing kind of jazz 
affect more modern parts of like indie music and shit and jazz is kind of influencing that in a way and it's i love just seeing the ebb and flow right now of like past genres that are so lost and back in their you know heyday come back and be in a new form and melting into these new pots of music yeah bad bad not good you familiar with that love them yeah that's a i think that's a great example of that Mm -hmm. like it's deeply rooted in jazz but there's a very modern take on it a lot of hip-hop influence big time oh yeah that album with ghostface killer oh so good so good it's killer um and then they did your favorite they added a horn player Uh, yeah (laughs) oh man i'm gonna fucking hear the end of it man they're so good man i've seen them a couple times the first time i saw them i intentionally was trying to miss them because i didn't know who they were and i went to go see charles bradley oh shit. and they opened for charles bradley what the fuck and i ended up showing up right when their set started and my mind was fucked after oh, that. i was sure. just like what bad bad not good is the greatest <laughs> i can't believe i almost missed this i know i've definitely had that uh same feeling before we're about to take off and i'm like yeah i didn't come to see this band i'm leaving and then stuck around and be like new favorite band dude that was um i mean that was my experience with small leagues I went to go no see shit. Rare Monk that night at the Doug Fur, and you guys ended was up that playing the first that time second. Seeing us? That was yeah, and that was uh, the you guys ended up playing the second slot, and I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Nice, like, yeah, dude. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that's that's that exact experience, and I wasn't necessarily like intentionally trying to miss you guys. I just you know I was yeah, just trying to, to see your homie Rare band. Monk, yeah, and. I, and I'm just yeah, I was super stoked that I ended up seeing your rad. and I was just had no idea who you guys were. So it was very funny. funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's too cool. Um, it was it was very cool to get to see the the cult crimes shit live. Oh yeah, because I've been harassing you. I you feel have like, that, which for is the last which six I, months or so. About- I appreciate it. Like <laughs> honestly, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because I think the first time you asked me, I was in this place of like do everything, you know, say yes to everything. Just fucking go, just do it. And I mean, which is half the reason I started Cult Crimes. I'm like, look, I got this part of myself I want to do. Just do it. Stop thinking about it. Just fucking do it. And so when you first hit me up, I was like, oh, on the spot, on the spot. (laughs) Okay, okay, I got to do it. I think I got to, I even remember like asking like 10 friends, this is is the scenario, you know, (laughs) like this is the thing. And then eventually I was just kind of like, you know what, I want to feel comfortable up there i want to feel like i'm in my zone and so i think by telling you no the first time it still made me really realize okay it's time to work on a live set make this come together live so by the next time you asked me and i had already told myself i was like next time dan asked me to play the show i'm I'm saying yes yeah i'm just gonna do it um i mean it was understandable very understandable after i actually got to see you like put it in motion because it's there's a lot of shit going on, man. It is, yeah. Like just your setup alone. I know. It's like for a solo performer, <laughs> and uh, uh, I forgot the dude's name that performed with you that night. John. Yeah, John. You had John play for a couple songs. Yeah, last two songs. So mainly was me with some electronics and a mic in my hand, and then last two songs I got on but drums, dude, and then he got on guitar for a quote unquote solo artist. You're bringing so much gear. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. This I thing. I know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So yeah. I, I understand. Like loading were, up. I remember looking at my buddy, and I was just like, 
I have way too much gear for one person. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I understand wanting to feel comfortable in that when you have that much going on and everything kind of has to be perfect, yeah. especially when you're playing with some tracks in there. Loops, backing I mean, traps. Oh, everything's yeah. got to be locked in. You gotta be if you're playing on. with tracks, there's no there's no give on the track. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no one's, no one's well, adjusting. Dude, yeah, and especially as a drummer, you're like hyper aware of it. So even when I was practicing it, like if I would slightly be off vocally to a backing track or I'm playing, you know, a sample over another loop and it'd like barely be off, it, it, it immediately made me like crawl in my own shell because I'm yeah. fucking hyper aware of that shit as a drummer. It's like, oh my God. So, I mean, before that show, I was running through that set like every night. <laughs> every night, dude. It was, yeah, it was just cool to get to see it live. And you played a bunch of songs that aren't even out yet. Yeah, none of them are released. Uh, <laughs> and I got to hear those recordings just like a few hours ago. Nice. What'd you think? It's, it's rad, dude. Nice. I mean, like, it made me remember the show awesome. in some way, but it was really cool. I, I dig the, I dig the tunes that you've already put out like under cult crimes. And obviously like it's, it's pretty experimental mm -hmm. like in a lot of ways, but I think you also kind of balance that, that line of like pulling in these hooks still with a lot of the songs that, you know, just very much get in your, in your head good like sinking into my time right yeah you know beat that shit <laughs> absolutely and then you yeah it just seems like you really are leaning into this thing of like doing whatever feels right in the moment and just like letting loose on this thing mm -hmm. that you don't have any real boundaries on or don't have to bounce anything off of, oh yeah you know yeah i think that's the point of it in a way <clears throat> but to get to see it live like made it all really make sense, even though those were songs that like I hadn't heard before. Right. It's just like, oh, this is this is what's going on. Oh, and, that's awesome to hear. And you're I don't know, man. I just dig your your all in mentality on the live show of just nice. like, it looks like you really lose yourself as you do with the small league stuff. Right. But this is obviously different because you're the only one on stage for the most part. You're the center of everyone's attention you're the thing to like look at what's mm -hmm. going on and you're just fucking in it and going for it and well, moving on stage and it just looks like you are doing it with like the most conviction where it's like when whenever that's happening it's hard to like whether you like it or not it's hard to to like argue with that or be like oh well this sucks it's yeah. just like Look at this guy. <laughs> this is up there doing this shit. He's fucking going all in, you know? And I, I felt like you, I don't know, you're maybe playing to like a lot of people that already dig your music. There were some of those people in the room, but you're also playing to like a lot of people that it was your first show is cold crime. So oh, like yeah. there's a lot of people in the room that don't know what the fuck is about to happen. Right. And I feel like you like won those people over just nice. like with the performance. And it's, and it's just a, uh, forgive me, this vodka has my throat dry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't do that. Yeah, man. I mean, that show is just so engaging because you're like bouncing around to so many different things. You have like the drum pad in front of you, right. which is like fun to watch you play. But then, you know, for a couple of songs, you're actually on the drum kit. Yeah. And yeah, I wanted to bring those in. I mean, it was funny because I would even, you know, talk to some homies beforehand when I was like talking about doing the show. And I was like, 
and they kind of pushed me more into it, they would still say, and I don't know, <laughs> I honestly wonder if there was like their own fear for me or like, you've never been off the drums, really not that much. Like, I don't know what to expect. So just, just, just incorporate the drums somehow. And you know, that gave, <laughs> for that to ground you yeah. in some way. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? You have a point. So I was just kind of like, well, maybe I end the show. And I think I did it in a way of just feeling as comfortable as possible. I was like, well, I'm going to, I don't know what a strong note, ending on a strong note is for cult crimes. All I know is like, I know the drums very well. So I'm going to end on the note that makes me the, feel the most comfortable so that I get the most risky part out of the way and not out of the way in the sense of like, um, I don't know what I'm about to do. So let's just get it over and done with. I think just out of the way so I didn't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. You know, it was the anticipation of that where to be up front and like you said being the only person not having like because it's it's a lot of people don't realize you know it's being behind the drums but also a singer in a band it's like there's always this like weird disconnection between me and the audience sitting down one and then having this kind of ginormous instrument in front of me where cult crimes was the first time like standing up there it felt like i was just in a room with family in a way and i could just start talking to everybody and that was so freeing to experience it was like stand up there go off get in my element like you yeah, said you're not you strapped know. to this kit no you know, you're moving around out there right and even in between songs i'm not trying to like get this next thing ready i'm like oh i'm I'm already set up. I'll play my loop. I'll play my weird little in intermediate sample. I'll kind of talk to everybody and then I'll go into my next song. But I think because each song has a dynamic side of my personality, I was able to, in the, in the beginning of it, in the middle of it, like kind of catch my breath and talk to you guys. Yeah. And I've never felt that before. Like, honestly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It was cool as fuck, man. It was just fun to, cause I knew that you were, uh, I knew you were like, stressing on it a bit oh, like yeah. i knew you put a lot of work into it but i also know that you were like even like leading up to sound check is like i don't even know if we're gonna get a sound check like that doesn't sound great to like right. have a line check for this thing that has like so many intricate oh, parts to it and i know that was like a bit of a nightmare for you but yeah it just you started in and it was it was it was so solid and sounded, nice yeah it sounded great in there good to hear so it was uh, i thought it was yeah, i remember uh, i was terrified when they're like yep we don't have time for sound check i'm like <laughs> This is my first show. Dude, it was, yeah. It was one of those nights, you know, where the, the you know, the early show goes 45 minutes late. Oh, my just God. trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. Right. But, yeah, man, it was cool. I was I was glad nice. that it, it all I had a blast. Happened. I'm glad your show was the first show that I played. I'm glad you got me to do it because it immediately was kind of like, I got done with that show. I was like, all right. I'm ready to do more. And where my mind goes, I think we're just with the art in general. I'm like, okay, what can I do to make yeah. this better and grow and do this and add that? Um, so one of the other things that we talked about on the previous episode was um, there being some songs on Polaroids that like Small Leaks wasn't even like really prepared to play in some ways just because mm. like some of the ways those, that those were written. Is that kind of some of the case with the songs that have been released? that you do have released with cult crimes as far as like the songs that you chose to play that night at uh, street pub because you played all new stuff rather than what is released or are you just like kind of more into what is happening now i think i'm more into what uh is happening now and i in a sense you're right where it's like um 
I had all this stuff and it's, it's kind of like, what, well, what do I want to do? And the whole thing seemed new in general. So how am I going to do this? It's not what I'm used to, uh, in that sense. But for the most part, I think I just, um, I think the first eight songs I put out were things where I just got excited really quick. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a project and it's just going to be me. And you know, if friends want to jump on, they can, if not, whatever, it's very loosely based. And so when I started doing them, I think by the time I released them, I already had 20 new songs written. Like I just kept writing. And then the direction I started to go and realizing what I wanted to do with Cult Crimes was kind of reflective to what the first eight songs I put out was. And that was me just experimenting. It was just like, this is the first thing coming to my mind. Here we go. Here's a song. It's done. Uh, here's some more. And then we'll put them out. Where nothing was really quite dialed in how it is now uh, as far as like, ooh, now I know how I want to make a song. Now I know how I want to go forward, which I think all the tracks out right now on Cult Crimes, I would say is just me experimenting and figuring out who I am as an artist on my own. Yeah, which I guess makes sense for if you're going to learn how to play some of these songs live, it'd be the ones that you're more invested in at this time then, oh, or yeah. the ones that you're most excited about rather than kind of learning some of those early songs, the ones where you were kind of exploring yeah. your identity is this. And I think these ones are more true to myself, which helps me on stage get into, you know, kind of like you were saying, just like, you know, being in that, being present and finding conviction because I think lyrically and the way the songs move and the beats, I feel very more like 100% into what I'm doing. Yeah, dude. Polar Bear. You like that one? Yeah, I like that song a lot. That nice. was that was when I found out that you were raised Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say you talked about that on stage. I did, yeah. About the the coffee thing because you have that line in that right. song that you like told your mom that you didn't want to be Mormon because you wanted to drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> Yeah, it was funny that kind of came up on stage where and really, I was using time to catch my breath. But yeah, when I wrote that song, it didn't start off that way, but that lyric came out. And um, it was something my mom used to always kind of tell at the dinner table when she'd have like church friends over and shit. And she'd go, oh, you know, London at four years old, because I'd, I'd wait till my, uh, my grandpa was like hardcore Italian, smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, uh, watch sports. That was his thing. And so drink coffee all day too so he'd get through like his first pack it'd be lunchtime he'd put the game on he'd go sit in the recliner have his cup of coffee and really it was just like a cup of coffee with a vat of sugar in it <laughs> is and this is this your mom's dad yeah this is my mom's dad so so my mom and my dad actually didn't grow up mormon they okay. became mormon together kind of so my mom's side of the family is like hardcore italians and then my dad's side of the family is indonesian and dutch which are very like warm-hearted, soft people, and then my my mom's side of the family is just like harsh, <laughs> fucking brash, like crazy Italians. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, my 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 grandfather would go and he'd sit in his recliner, watch the basketball game, and I'd go sit on his lap. And I knew it was like routine. I'd wait for him to fall asleep. And so he'd be out like within the first quarter of the game and I'd take <laughs> his coffee and I'd run downstairs and I would just like down the whole thing and then just be on this like crazy sugar caffeine high. And my mom finally caught on about a week and she caught me. She's like, what are you doing? You steal <laughs> grandpa's coffee? And I was like, yeah. My mom's like, we're, you know, we, in this, and it is against our values. We do not drink coffee. And I just looked at her and I was like, well, I don't want to be Mormon <laughs> and I want to drink coffee. And finally, 
<laughs> 20 some odd years later, it made its way into a cult crime song. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were raised pretty religious though, then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like go to church every Sunday in high school. Um, I don't know how many people know this, but Mormons have a thing called seminary, which is like right off school grounds. So one period out of every day, you go to seminary too. So by the time you're in your high school, you're pretty much going to church every day except Saturday for a period of time. But yeah, my parents, I mean, I grew up in the Mormon community, but in a very um, hard area and neighborhood. So it was funny. So it was very different, like polar opposites of my life where it's like you had the church community, the religious and mo most Mormons, like it's in the lineage. Pretty you know, wealthy. Yes. And it, it goes way back. It's just like gone down generation. And so with my parents, they became Mormon together. And so I think they were a little bit more lenient and they kind of got it. But I was a kid, man. It was like anything you told me not to do, I was going to do. Like I'm getting into it, you know? And so. Yeah. You, you started rebelling against it pretty early on oh yeah i mean as much as it's like an ongoing joke if i said that to my mom when i was four years old i mean i felt that way and i was constantly like the day i turn 18 because that was always a thing it was like when you turn 18 then you have a decision then you don't have to go to church and it was like the fucking day of my 18th <laughs> birthday i'm like i'm not going to church anymore i'm You're done with this quickly pretty like questioning oh, everything yeah. around you and oh yeah i mean i would say even like uh age probably like 13 to 21 or maybe 14, like right around puberty or something to 21, I was like hardcore atheist. Which is the point where it's like anybody who was religious or spiritual or talked about God, I would take as like a moment to hit and just like, you know, clever joke or like talk some shit or yeah. whatever. And now here I am, like spirituality is one of the biggest parts of my life. Not religious, but you know. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm I'm the same way, sort of, as far as that route. I was never, uh, never wildly religious or infected by it, but grew up Catholic. Going to church with my mom on most Sundays. It wasn't every Sunday. Like, and is your family still Catholic? She's a pretty lenient, you know, person. She's not going to church every Sunday, so right. I wasn't going to church every <laughs> Sunday. My dad was Jewish, but not practicing. You know, so um, it wasn't like a super strict thing. And and it, it, I don't know, it wasn't necessarily that we came from like this deep line of like everybody in our family was going to church on Sunday and everything like aunts and uncles. It wasn't it wasn't really like that. It was more like my grandparents regularly went and whatnot. But I was definitely like raised with it. And I went to, you know, Catholicism school once a week from, I don't know elementary school to junior high and then like did some bible study stuff i didn't get confirmed so it was your main so was schooling for you your main school was uh catholic school no no oh, i went to okay. like a public high school and then gotcha. i had i had like a weekly thing like once a week i would go to this extra class on wednesday nights or something with all the other catholic kids or whatever you know at our church uh, okay so but i don't know man it never uh i don't think i got it i wasn't like i i don't know i just wasn't formed enough to understand what was even being told to me even if it was truth or not truth i just like right. wasn't there i wasn't like i was distracted at church most of the time just wanting to go like when is this 
going to be over kind of thing, you know, yeah. unless I was participating. Like I was like in the choir for a long time. And then I was an altar boy, unscathed, <laughs> noted, unscathed, <laughs> unscathed, uh, uh, made hint, it out hint. fine, which is like a whole other like weird, I know, very man. weird thing to like even have to say, like, don't worry, everybody. I wasn't one of the many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is like a very fucked up thing. But then, yeah, I went to like some Christian Bible studies in high school, but it was mostly like punk rock and hardcore kids. So I kind of just like the people. I was still wasn't like really receiving any sort of message. I don't think. You yeah. Know? I was just kind of like pretending I was because I just wanted to like hang out with these people. Right. So, there is kind of a culture uh, that surrounds with religion where even kind of you're saying where like I remember that too. There would always be these kind of like straight edge punk kids that were hardcore Christian too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I never, I was always like, I knew a lot of those kids. What's dude. that world? What's that about? You know? Yeah, they're just like, you know, I don't know, punk rock for Jesus and, and stuff, I guess. Yeah. But it, the, yeah, that was funny, man. I used to like go to some of those shows too where it's just like where they would just always like the singer would just be like, everything we're doing tonight is in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know? And then he's like, fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, circle pits for Jesus and stuff, dude. Yeah. You know? but um, I would hope in those moments, like fucking hardcore Jesus would come down and just like mosh the shit out of that pit and be like, you're doing, you're all doing it wrong. Yeah. This is how you really get down, motherfuckers. But then, yeah, I don't know. I got some exposed to some other ideas and I was like, there's no God. This is all bullshit, and the world is terrible. Yeah. And there was, like, a lot of that. And, uh, yeah, now I'm as spiritual as can be, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's weird. I, you definitely go through the weird kind of, like... I think I'm just, like, also, like, just more open to everything. And, like, I think it's, like, religion and is so important to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and I don't identify with a... Uh, with an organized religion, but I get why people do. And, yeah. And for a lot of people, it's it's like a very good thing. Oh, yeah. And they I don't get it... caught up in the, like, the ego power trip of it where it's just like, I don't know, where everybody completely misses, like, the foundational message, which, like, exists in all, all religions. Of them. Yeah, And I they know. completely have somehow, like, ignored that and removed it and just made it all about, like, they're fucking self-righteous bullshit. Right. Where like, so I, I don't really, I don't really fuck with that, but I, um, you know, like I'm no longer at that point, like where you were talking about where you would take any opportunity to kind of like, yeah. let somebody know that is a believer that they're a fucking idiot. Yeah. You know? oh, like, that's bullshit. Yeah. It's just like, nor I do know. I even really believe that yeah. anymore. It's kind of what you were saying. It's like, I, I think, it works for some people and it works in the right way for some people. And I think that's hard for people that don't identify with it or believe in it at all. Is that being the case? It's like people are very quick to point out what's wrong with religion, but very few outside of religion are willing to say what's right about it and what works within it. You know, it's always to me seemed like with how many different religions are out there, especially geographically speaking, it's like you have this giant puzzle and there's all these pieces. And I think each 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 of those pieces, like they are that piece to the big puzzle. And unless they listen to each other, you can never see the big picture. It's kind of just always sitting there scrambled. And so to me, it's like, I went through, you know, for a long time where I was just studying religion after religion in every facet you could imagine, whether it would come down to like, you know, 
the cabal and like ancient mystic uh, Judaism and like modern day Christianity and uh, the Mormonism and uh, Islam and the I Ching and like, you know, divine poetry like Rumi and all this stuff. It's like, it became fascinating to me because it kind of told me more about the things that I didn't see in front of my face, or I should say the things I do see in front of my face are not always what they seem. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the mushroom, like the psychedelic thing for mm -hmm. me. It's just like, yeah, there's just like a lot out there that I can't see. Yeah. And you might be able to, right. even in this realm. And yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, it's, it's more for me at this point of, I'm just like not really on board with anybody that thinks they have like all of the answers of the for answers. me or, right. or themselves, I guess like, or I guess if you have it for yourself, that's, that's great. I think it's just like a weird thing when you assume that that is like the right path for everyone. Yeah. That gets like a little sketchy. Uh huh. And where you don't really get anywhere with that. You know what I mean? Like, no. where does the conversation go with that? That's always my thing. It's like, I kind of get like finding your community and where you fit in and, you know, being able to celebrate a common minded thing, like totally get it. But when it becomes so centralized that you don't let anything outside of you bleed in at all and whatsoever, I'm sorry, but it's just, it becomes narrow mindedness. Yeah. So did you go back and like kind of explore the Mormon religion, like kind of removed from it when you were going through all of the like your religious kick where you're going through all of these different religions big time. Yeah. And did you like pull there, stuff out oh, from that? Oh that, yeah. Uh, I mean, cause in a way it's kind of like when you have the old Testament and the new Testament, cause um, you know, the LDS church kind of, they're always reading the old Testament, and the new Testament too, but they kind of have like this book where it's the old Testament, the new Testament, and then the book of Mormon after. And the book of Mormon is kind of like the new frontier. It's like later, you know, way later. And these things came to pass and the golden plates and Joseph Smith and all this stuff. And dude, that's like a whole other story to do those golden plates. Yeah, those golden plates. Woo -wee! Just give me the gold. I don't need <laughs> the plates, baby. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's just fascinating more than anything else. When you can look at something and, you know, take yourself out of the equation, be willing to learn and know that like, hey, there's something in here of validity and it's going to help me grow in some way. And if I just let it be and learn from it, I think it's going to make some uh, sense of something else. I remember because I have a, a couple of buddies out there like hardcore Christians and like really stick to the biblical truths and not much out of it, which I could respect. And it's, it's great for conversation. Like, dude, we'll, we'll end up in, you know, on phone calls with some of my buddies for like three hours, just going down this train, this rabbit hole. And one thing I always find fascinating is that someone's very quick to pick something out of the Bible. Like, well, this is what you're wrong about because the Bible says this. And I'm always like, okay, what about this other part of the Bible that talks about how you should keep everything intact within the Bible and it shouldn't be preached separately. And then it, it kind of opens it up. It's like, well, there's your there's your uh, cosmic truth within it within it all. Is that none of it's separate? And there, it, uh, what's the phrase? Um, one of my favorite phrases. And I use it all the time when someone gets on their high horse a little bit, and it's from the Bible. Is don't point out a splinter in another man's eye when you have a log in your own. Right. I love that shit because you know it's just kind of like 
You know, you can sit there and point the finger all you want, but none of us are perfect. Yeah, we all have our own shit. But that, yeah, it's, that's the interesting thing. Is like it's uh, like I don't find necessarily like a, a lot of humility in that community all the time. Like I feel like a lot, and and I'm not saying all churches or you know places of worship are like this, but I do just kind of feel like a lot of times a lot of those people are putting on fronts on those Sundays of mm-hmm. you know what's really going on with them or whatever yeah. you know doing they're not, what you, you think like you're, you're supposed to do it's like such a like taboo thing to a lot of people to actually talk about your quote-unquote sins and, and mm-hmm. whatnot you know and how you're not a perfect person right um yeah it's wild man my buddy andrew and i um i don't think it'll be out yet when this comes out but in the near future there will be a new podcast that comes out that my buddy and andrew and i have been working on we've recorded a couple episodes already and it's called it's called bible buds really and we have just been getting stoned and we've been kind of having somewhat of a bible study or like analyzing the bible because he grew up in more of like a christian evangelical mega church and was like pretty deep into it and you know like yeah, it was just like deep into it through high school and, and kind of moved away f- through college. And like I said, I kind of grew up Catholic and I've never really gone through the Bible as, you know, as, as certainly not as an adult. I definitely didn't. And pull. it's on this podcast. One of the first times you're kind of yeah. really diving in on yeah. it. Yeah. And he in has the, in the moment. too. <laughs> so, so he has a little more of an informed point of view because he was like deeper into it and got like some of the teachings and stuff and and uh so it's just a little more familiar where i'm kind of going in it blind we're not reading it together on the podcast what we're doing is we're just you know we're starting with the gospels like in the new testament so like we've started with matthew and we're just going through and talking to each other like we're both on our own reading taking notes and then talking about it with each other pretty much doing like our own version of a bible study and like definitely pointing out the absurdity, but just like also like you're saying, it's just like I don't know. It's easy to to point out like poke the holes, right? And you, but you just like definitely pull out of it what you want. Mm. Or just I don't know. We're just both like trying to like look at it from more of like an informed, objective point of view, but also like experience. yeah, like what can I pull out of this message here? And like knowing that clearly this is all metaphors. Like, this isn't, you know, this isn't all real shit. It's just like, I don't know, tapping into some mystical shit if you want to, pretty much. And so do you feel like as you guys have kind of gone through it, are you finding a natural flow of it? Or when you're doing it, it's just kind of like, holy shit, I've never thought about this before. And then you kind of unwrap it where it's at. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, we're both just kind of sharing our uh, interpretations. Of, of certain things and like what's that's cool resonating. i love that idea man and that's we're definitely awesome. gonna have uh after we get in the flow of it we're, we want to have guests and like both people that like are believers not believers oh people dude, that have grown up with that it. will so make for such will, great will, conversation uh, you know you should definitely come come chat about that oh that'd be a blast for sure but yeah. yeah yeah it's been really cool though man it's just like such a different point of view when you're not trying to just like point out all the hypocrisy in it but yeah. also we're you know we're not trying to just say this is 
this is a gr- all great or anything, you know? We're right. definitely like, like I said, pointing out some absurdity. Yeah, just kind of analyzing well. it for what it is, but being open about it at the yeah. same time. And trying to like compare some other texts to it, like and seeing where parallels are. Man, I'd be excited to hear that. Yeah, we've always kind of It'll uh be out soon. Yeah, nice. You have to let me know. Bible buds, guys. I love it. That's a great <laughs> name too. Yeah, we've always joked about in small leaks, like only if we had a microphone in this room sometimes for our conversations, because, you know, we we have a main practice once a week, but it's like all day long, you know, it's like an eight hour day. And sometimes there's been those days where we hardly touch our instruments. I mean, we'll get into it heavy. It'll just be like a five hour crazy debacle debate uh vulnerable just laying it out all on the table and talk about some crazy shit and it's funny because we you know we practice in the suburbia studios which is like this giant warehouse with 50 different rooms and bands in them and like the walls are pretty thin i mean there's sometimes you can't record in there because there's like a fucking crazy death metal band two doors down just like but yeah we'll get in these conversations and we're all passionate people you know i've always said with small leaks um as much as everybody knows their roles it really is kind of like a band of all leaders where everyone is so strongly opinionated about what they feel in their lives and about what music is to them or where they see the direction of something to go whether it be their belief system or just reality or politics whatever it be and i think just because we've all been through some shit together there's no filters in that room. Yeah. It is just like no. All boundaries barred. have been destroyed by a demolished, yeah. dude. It's wild. And we've said we've really said it. I like I don't I don't mind saying it out there in the public, but we've like gotten to the end of conversations and just kind of look at each other and go, Do you think any other bands talk to each other like this? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I hope they have these conversations. No, that's killer, dude. Yeah. I think that's that's fun when you like have those people to to have those conversations oh yeah with. 10 times better than small talk man it's like you you only sit there for so long talking about just everyday bullshit but man when you get into it there's a part of you that you even learn from you're like oh shit i'm i'm more passionate about stuff than i even realize and kind of going like i should probably be talking about this more yeah yeah <laughs> start feeling like a fucking weirdo to some people oh just yeah like, have you heard this, what, what he's saying? Right. That's my biggest thing with call crimes. I'm like, am I relatable? <laughs> <laughs> At all. <laughs> ah, well. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, that's the point, right? It's yeah. just to, like, have this other area to, like, be able to express yourself. And yeah. Not have to worry about everybody else's filter. No, just kind of, like, let if it go it, through they, yours. Yeah. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And... Same thing. If you, that's why my favorite thing you said about in the show too is just like whether and I feel the same way. It's like I don't care whether you're like you really love it or really hate it, but if I have your attention, like you can't look away. Yeah, then I'm doing something right. That's what I'm all about. I'm like I want to make it so you can't look away. I mean I don't care if like I don't need the praise or the hate. They're both the same kind of thing in a way. But it's like yo, if you can't look away, fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> is it also? Um nice that like you can really i mean you could do whatever you want with the live show like you could have all these other players come in right like oh yeah you had which when i think about that constantly i definitely want to bring other people in on stuff but i think i think about the production more than anything else like 
because I do a lot of, you know, video stuff with my music outside of just a live show that I want to incorporate like projections and lighting and everything. But it definitely takes a team. It takes uh, getting everyone on board for that. That's for sure. Are you like thinking about visuals right away when you're locked into a song or does sometimes right a visual away. like inform the music? I'd say I'm definitely super visual person overall, whether it be like I'm at the piano playing something or making a beat or something and I go to this kind of like tripped out landscape where something's happening and I'm in a scenario and I see the whole thing from front to back. That happens a lot of the times. And if someone presents me with something visual, like my buddy John, who I'm making a lot of the videos with, if he brings something to the table, just seeing that will also give me, it'll do the reverse aspect where I'm just like going into the auditory part of it. And I'm like, oh, this is the kind of sounds I want to hear with what's happening, or this is the key that it should be in. This is the feelings that go along with it. Yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, super, super visual person for sure. Yeah. Um, God damn it. All this marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) You can't be mad at the marijuana, boy. Just take take another little sip. Because you're kind of like, you know, maybe uh, because it does like put you in those places when you're like getting something going. Or do you feel like you're usually lyrically writing from like more of a character perspective rather than a first person? Or do you just feel like it's. I think it's exaggerated uh, versions of yourself in, in most ways. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. I'd say exaggerate. It's kind of like one in the same where it's a character, but that character is very much me. It's not a fictitious part of me. So when you isolate that character, then it's then it seems exaggerated. But I don't think it necessarily is exaggerated because I think most people like have this you know, when we kind of go out outside of our doors and we put the mask on, it's always, I think that's the more subdued version of ourselves where if we use the outlet of art and creativity to facilitate those parts of art, they will come out in their very uninhibited, unadulterated way and be heard for exactly what they are. So I think we live in a system where those things may seem over-exaggerated, but they're actually the truth in the way we... Um, set up our system is kind of like the falsehood of it so then they become weird it's like yeah. oh what the fuck like what the, what are you doing over there and it's like <laughs> no well you're telling me like look it's like at- shut up man you used to eat paste yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so is every tv show you watch just a bunch of bullshit came from somewhere <laughs> so good um as far as The uh... God damn it! Japanese hot dogs. Japanese, <laughs> yes, Japanese yes. hot dogs. You can only get them in Vancouver. They're delicious. Sometimes I put a little Japanese mayo on and some fucking everything bagel seasoning. <laughs> get yourself one. Um. Yeah. Do you think this has just been something that will like? Do you think the uh, doing the Polaroids EP really like set off you wanted to explore more of this style of music like the, as far as like all the different production I think Polaroid people were was the first um thing we did that more explored that side that I was really into um 
I think Golden Gaff was the start of that, but I think during the making of Golden Calf and Polaroid people, you know, for myself anyways, is like I was listening to newer and newer shit. I was constantly going out trying to find stuff. I was always going for whatever was like pushing the envelope, you know, and that's what I was into. And so when I started hearing that stuff and I wanted to implement it into our music, I think Polaroid people was the first thing that it got. Um, especially like uh, Maurice's Monsters. That, for example, I think is the most coming from my most recent background of what I've either been influenced by or really wanting to dive into or feeling like it's the most creative thing happening in music right now and going, well, this is the thing I want to do with it. Yeah. And I know your your day-to-day is also like music-based. Mm-hmm. Um, like within the, the publishing right licensing world right like what do you do within that like what is so i run i mean basically i think when you break it down i run a label but we specifically do publishing and licensing for artists but then we also do like random projects so we'll do compilations or events or team ups with like charities and shit and then like have artists come in and be a part of it and um but yeah, the main thing I would say is um, getting people publishing uh, deals and then getting their music out onto platforms, whether that be a sync through television, um, film, online commercials, all that shit. And it's a it's definitely a big world when it comes to that. Did you kind of get into that because you were involved on some of the business side of what was going on with small leaks or did that just come out? come about in other ways totally i think i was um i became good friends when so when small lease got signed to lefsa records i came i became good buds with the uh, uh, ceo of lefsa records and i think just hanging out with him and uh kind of working on projects i would kind of see and i've always been like observational that way where if i get around someone that i'm motivated by like johnny for example who i make videos with too it's the same thing if it's someone i see who's really good at their craft and i i respect it and it ha- it's creative in some form or has to do with what i'm into too like i'm i just want to know like how it works how it all goes down not only that like it's good for any artist to really know how the industry works because that's really why so many artists get fucked over it's just because all they do is create and make art which i would love to just create and make art but when you don't know yeah the business aspect of it, it's very easy to get fucked over and not know what someone is talking to you about at all when it comes to making money off of your art. For sure. Is it, so when you're like putting together cult crimes, are you, does that completely like inform your approach to how you're putting out music or kind of branding the thing? Are you kind of good about detaching yourself from uh, I that. think I think a little bit of both. I think branding is fun. It's like you can't take yourself too seriously. So find the things that you really love and you have fun with it within it and over exemplify it or brand yourself some way with it. If it's completely like fictitious or made up, you know, it, it might feel like bullshit. Some people are good at that. And if you're good at it, all, yeah. all for you, like go for it. I, I really don't have judgment either way. I think it's when you sit back and do nothing or you're scared to act on um, the business aspect or the monetary versions of what your craft is. Because ultimately you would, I mean, for me anyways, it's like I don't want to be doing anything else. I want to be creating. And so if I have to find a way to only do that, you 
I'll have to do, you know, find a monetary gains from it as well. So it warrants it. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's crazy now with all the, the social media just seems like it's such a big part of it now. Huge part. And, and it's crazy because I don't know, everybody, you can kind of sell yourself like via this Instagram channel now, you know, and oh, kind of create time, like this persona or whatever, like through it. And, and some people are like very good at like being super entertaining on there all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, it seems like there's so many pitfalls big too of just like being gross about it and like just being like terribly annoying with it and i don't know i'm sure that like people think that i'm fucking terribly annoying with social media i think that probably some people feel the same way about me or anything else i'm involved with i think we think that we might think that on other projects and maybe it just comes down to it being done well and it not being done well where I don't know I'm sure I've seen stuff out there even if it's done well it's fucking annoying because it's just there's no substance to it yeah and that's the biggest difference it's like if there's no root here if there's no substance and then you're shoving it down someone's throat for me it's like I don't care about it because I don't feel like you care that much about it you just want a platform to be successful and so it's the the chase of success versus the chase of your art being successful which is two very different things actually yeah i think it's like easy to get caught up in that too of of focusing too much on like building this brand when and not spending any time on the craft too yeah there's a lot of that oh yeah dude i felt i mean okay i've been doing a really weird thing lately (laughs) just gonna get into it yes but Yes. So I've been doing this thing like I I love the idea of how the subconscious mind works. And there's all these things you could get into through meditation or when you're waking up or when you're falling asleep where you kind of get in contact with your subconscious mind and you ask it questions and shit. One of the things I remember um, reading about was like between if you wake up abruptly between like 3 and 5 a.m., and you have this sudden, like, I'm awake. And a lot of, you know, artists and, like, greats in the past have had this happen where they wake up in this time and they'll go into meditation or they'll go into this, like, just start creating, whether they're a writer, they start writing on their book or, you know, making art, whatever ends up being. That's where it comes from. It's like this dream world that's tapping into yourself and trying to give you advice. This is what you should be doing right now. This is what you got to do. So I was reading all about this super recently. I was like, interesting. Okay. This uh, is like when the angel comes to Joseph and visits him. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is my journey of becoming Mormon again, dude. <laughs> Don't ruin what it for me. What if this podcast leads you back? <laughs> God. Uh, I'd never talk to you again. <laughs> uh But so I actually started doing it because I was like, oh, that's weird. I wake up between 3 and 5 in the morning all the time. Like, I'll wake up right at 4 and just be like, boo, wide awake. And I've been doing it to where when it happens, I'll, like, sit up and just put my feet on the ground. I'll try to go into, like, meditation to where you feel. It's weird, dude, because you feel, like, halfway in between dream world and here. And at first, what's happening, you really don't know. You don't know how to gauge. But then all of a sudden, you start getting, like, weird messages from it. I have many stories where weird stuff happened, but since we're talking about the social media thing anyways, I had one recently that was like, I did it, I sat up, and I kind of sat there, and I was just like meditating, and nothing really came to me, so after about 10 minutes, I just laid back down. As I was going to sleep, 
I was getting this like weird vision of just like how everything worked on the internet and just like social media and the fake versions of people and the real versions of people and the balance of it all. And it's like, and it looked like this weird like computer thing going, look at the matrix or something. And by the end of it, I just got this weird message of like, do it. It's all part of the game. It's all part of the puzzle. puzzle. Just don't ever get fixated on it. And that was the big, it was weird. It was like, I just got that. And the next day I woke up and I remember even telling Des, I was like, you know, it's funny. I think Instagram and Facebook and all this shit is really fun to kind of explore yourself and like put yourself out there and like do all of your art in a way and in a fashion that, you know, is true to you. But don't get too fixated with it. Don't get obsessed with it. Don't yeah. start getting like end all be all. I need to be doing this all the time and got to have tons of shit coming out. You know? Yeah. It's hard to not get caught up in it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to not spend like a ridiculous amount of time form forming a post sometimes or something like mm -hmm. that. And it's just like, wow, I just uh, wasted an incredible amount of time for something that is uh, probably not that important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get the fuck on now. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, yeah. Which is the other thing. I think the people who do it best, where it, whether it be on the internet, off the internet, at shows, in their music, in their film, and art, all of it, I think it's the people on it don't overanalyze anything. You just do it and you move on. You just keep, go you just like, you act. Yeah. On the spot, you don't overthink it. Just do it, even if, especially if it scares you. If it makes you feel weird about yourself, I think you have to do it. I don't know why. Yeah, I, that's a truth for me, maybe. But I just feel like uh, it's like leaning into the uncomfortable things and like leaning into the unknown. I think, and there's usually good shit in that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, early age for you, if as far as like feeling like you needed to express yourself in some form or fashion of like art or music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of the same way. I've like always been <laughs> trying to like record something, you know. Oh, yeah. I wanted to be like a play-by-play -play announcer for a hockey as a kid, just sitting oh, in my God. room like a fucking spaz, like doing play-by-play -play for my hockey <laughs> video games. <laughs> only child, man. Oh, Keep man. it entertaining for yourself oh, when yeah. you're an only child. You got to create your own A lot of weird conversations when, with yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel Definitely. like I'm still having a lot of those conversations. Oh, dude, me constantly. <laughs> I'm always making up like fucked up scenarios in my head. And then they become so real that I'm like in the kitchen making eggs and like acting it out. Before I know it, I'm I'm like playing both parts. Like, no, motherfucker, you didn't say anything. Don't even say. <laughs> and then I'll say on the other side, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, nah. And they're always battles, you know? It's uh, funny. They're always battles. They start off so innocent. And then eventually you're just like, what the fuck do you say? <laughs> You realize, wait, who am I talking to right now? Who is this? It is your subconscious. Yes, it is. It is the shadow person. It is the many versions of yourself. <laughs> the many versions. Um, we've done two hours. Nice. Fuck, that went by. <laughs> we, sure we got into did. it, man. We, we covered a lot. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, man, I'm I'm appreciative of uh, of the hang and and you coming through again to do this. Likewise, and, and dude. Likewise. Like I said, it's been just uh, you're definitely one of the. I've I feel like I've I'm grateful of like some of the friendships that have come from doing this podcast because a lot of the times I'm just you know you coming over that day was like the first time 
right we really hung out or even met in person i said like i think i tried to introduce myself to you at that doug first show but it was like one of those things where you were like around a lot of people and i was just like hey dude cool fucking show right i'm dan (laughs) and then uh but yeah that was like the first time you came over last time that's crazy that we just like hung out and uh yeah just just feel fortunate for like for yeah feeling like there's a a friendship there absolutely me too man i always like enjoy our exchanges like whether i see you out and about or uh just like texting you about something or Oh, trying to get you to put on a fucking live show for your band. Hell yeah. Your new, your oh, you really did. You've always felt like a real motherfucker to me. And that's the thing. It's like the people I think I identify with the most is those kind of people you could just get into it right away with. Appreciate it. And you're a hockey fan. So, like, oh, uh, yeah. It's not a lot of those. You are, like yeah, you automatically like get points. Sometimes yeah. out, out here in, <laughs> oh, yeah. in the portland oregon you know yeah none of my not... friends want to hear me talk about <laughs> hockey <laughs> nobody needs and if to. i do they're giving me shit yeah yeah. But uh, also just appreciate the vulnerability for jumping on the mic and just like talking about talking about anything. Always, fan is uh, is very cool. So it's a uh, it's a pleasure to uh, get to hang with you for episode two hundred. Two hundred. This fucking podcast lundo on episode 200 <laughs> oh no oh watch yep, this thing's out. going off the rails yeah, we better end <laughs> <laughs> um i'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh follow along with uh the cold crime stuff and i'll put the small leaks one there as well um dude i play broken church bells so regularly in my life that's awesome that i i love that song so much and uh I put together a couple of playlists for uh, to celebrate episode 200, and and that one's definitely on one of them. So sick, yeah. Um, but we're gonna play it out with the Cult Crimes Jam, and uh, what was I gonna play? I was going to uh, I was gonna play High Like. Nice. I feel it's like that's one. got a lot of little bit of everything. It does. That that's like one of those jams though that I think you know you go pretty like experimental with it. Right. But if you just lean, like give it time, it goes somewhere completely different. Right. And has like these very like hooky melodic moments too. Nice. But it's yeah. That song is like very all over the place. Well, I'm the glad you can dip into it. I can dip into it. I, I love it. I dip. Yeah. <laughs> you dip hard, boy. <laughs> I dip hard. And uh we end every episode of this podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if you can sign off episode 200 properly i would much appreciate it this is lundo with call crimes small leaks <laughs> it's a program he nailed it everybody we uh we went deep on this one we went deep and uh that is the jelly jams everybody we're playing it out with uh with high like i'll put all the links in the episode notes and uh, we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Break. Boom. Do what you want to, even if it hurts you.
husband. It's a program. <laughs>